Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 8 of the Convergence podcast. I'm your host Siddhartha Valluri and today's guest is freelance concept artist and my friend Adrian Verlu. This was such a fun conversation and the longest I've recorded so far at roughly 3 hours long. And throughout the conversation we covered a variety of topics like what inspires Adrian, his lifelong passion project as well as the impact social media has on the way we look at art. This episode is packed with so many insights and information, things that we can learn from and use as guidelines to become better artists and creative individuals. So I hope you really enjoy this episode as much as we did and let's go. Adrian, thanks a lot for coming once again and I'm really excited about this conversation. I think we've been speaking for close to a year at this point so i've seen your work develop quite a bit over the past one year and before i even get into the origin story of how you got into this industry because i'm sure you've shared that story before i really want to get into your mindset first like we were speaking earlier how do you stay this productive all the time well first of all thanks for having me it's really an honor to be here and uh regarding my mentality product activity and all that stuff. Uh you know what I'm going to say, right? <laughs> like no, it's not the way you guys think. It's it's not that I do stuff every day, but um I think I'm driven by inspiration, which is something that most people will probably disagree with because it's like you can't rely on motivation or inspiration, you know? It it's like you have to be disciplined, you know, even when you don't feel like doing something you have to sit down and get through the work and i respect that and i truly believe that's what a professional is right but if on top of that <laughs> you can simply add the fact that you're so inspired and so um i'm not finding the correct word to describe this but it's like you just feel this pure joy for creation you know mm-hmm. to create stuff and that's the way i feel with my project right now right and by right now i mean for a couple of years already you know <laughs> this is lasting for so long and i'm i'm so glad to experience this and yeah dude it, there's no there's no secret i think i just try to um observe more you know the environment that i'm surrounded by and just be more mindful every time i visit some new place like recently i i went to the mountains mm-hmm. and um any any kind of moment any little insignificant thing it it's like it adds up you know it develops into an idea for me and it eventually becomes something like something that i can use on a painting or to design a new prop or a new place architectural design or Dude, even seeing like two ants fighting, that's <laughs> that's already sparking some stuff in my mind, you know. So, yeah. Um I'm curious, do you I, do you like capture these moments only in your memory or is it like you write it down or you capture a photograph which you kind of keep it as a reference for later on or is it purely driven by your feeling of yeah. that moment? Dude, you just reminded me that I forgot to write something down. <laughs> Um so 
I I just took a shower before this podcast, and you know, shower is for me like a moment of um, relaxation, and it, it's it's where I think about a lot of things that turn into ideas later, and it's like you know, people have this at the beach or in the, in nature at the mountain, or maybe while they're listening to music. Uh, to me, there's all of that together, but. Um, also in the shower for some reason, you know, uh, it must be the cold water or I don't know, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's something that I, I thought, Hey, I should write that down because I really want to, re uh, remember that. And sometimes I notice that even though I have some really cool idea at that moment, any given moment, you know, even when I'm walking my dog outside or whatever, you know, a walk in the park, and I don't have my phone with me, I try to remember that for later. So when I get home, I um, I either write it down or I just start working on it straight away. Mm, okay. And yeah, and sometimes, for instance, the let's take the example that I give you, right, with the two ends fighting. <laughs> um, I could either record that with my phone or took or take a picture. Or just simply keep thinking about that as I keep walking, you know, for the rest of the trip. And then when I get back home, it's like, yeah, let's turn that into something. You know, maybe let's add that to another story. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily like a standalone story on its own, but it can be also part of something else. Or it can simply be something on its own. Like, I, as I said, it's like a separate kind of artwork right that doesn't belong to any project but you know since i i'm feeling this kind of momentum with my personal project i always tend to incorporate and turn every single idea into something that belongs to this universe and that doesn't always mean that everything i do has to be part of it right because i was experimenting with some 3d sketching for instance lately mm -hmm. and I was like trying to come up with a vehicle design that really belongs in this universe, but some of my creations were not really in the same line. Uh, they were either too much like sci-fi, too futuristic, too, I don't know, just not really aligned with what I was looking for. And I can simply, you know, post that as something separate. And I actually have a couple of posts ready for our station. And the cool thing, the, the, the point I'm mentioning this for is that sometimes doing something that you don't really see fitting in what you expected it to fit in will bring you to, if you keep going a little bit more, like in my case, I kept going with that uh, vehicle design and I came up with something that did actually fit within what I was expecting it to fit in, you know? So yeah, it's like, call it a happy accident, call it whatever you want you know it's the way it works that's an interesting that's an interesting thing that you mentioned because somebody with lesser experience may get discouraged early on when they feel like that particular design isn't fitting into the project that they're working on but you kind of stuck with the process and kept developing it to the point where you were finally able to resolve it to a point do you think that that's uh, that's something that people can gain over time with experience, or is that a mindset that you have right from the beginning of your journey as an artist? Well, I, <clears throat> sorry, I, I think I was um, quite 
not disappointed, but discouraged, you know, whenever this happened, like, oh man, I'm trying to come up with this thing and it doesn't come out. You know, there's no way I can fix this. Um, and you, obviously you get frustrated, mm -hmm. but this is what the discipline thing that I mentioned in the beginning is about, you know, if you keep going, you, 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 you stick with it and it eventually develops into something. And that, if you look back, <clears throat> it, it took you like what, a few hours, maybe days to come up with something that's, it might be insignificant to someone else, but it solves a problem for you. Right. So yeah, it has an immense value for you. And I think it's worth it at the end. You look back and you, you say, you know, oh man, all these days working on this, look at how many, how many designs I had to discard, you know, because they, they're not, they don't do the job. That's like the analogy of the tip of the iceberg, mm -hmm. you know, what you see is only that little thing at the end, but you don't get to see the whole process that runs really deep below the level of the horizon line. You can't see that. So I think that's, I don't know. I, I find this really fascinating, you know, to see how this works. Because most people, when they see you working, they tend to believe, and I'm not, I'm not talking about me only, you know, um, I'm talking about even high-end professionals, like no matter how much experience you have, no matter how much, you've been working in the industry for. Um, it's not like you come up with the perfect thing at the first try, you know, first attempt. And when a student or someone who's beginning into this gets to nail it the first time, mm -hmm. I think that provides, I'm, I'm talking from my own experience here because sometimes I, I, I came up with something that I was super happy with the first time, you know, like first try, wow, man, this is perfect. I don't need to touch it anymore. You know, I, I think that's not a good habit, you know, to get used to that because it provides you with this false sense of um, experience or quality or whatever you want to call it. And I think that is, this This is all about iterations, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, this is all about iterating upon change and change and change. And you eventually end up with something that you know it's not a product of luck, but rather a, a product of uh, an effort and energy and time you spend onto thinking about that result. So you can no longer call it like luck, you know. And of course, the more you do it, perhaps the less time, the less effort, and the less energy you have to spend on that because you have all this experience on your back. And that's where you see, I don't know, uh, really big names in the industry coming up with something that's a masterpiece, a masterpiece, uh, sorry, a masterpiece in a matter of what, it, maybe it's the first attempt, you know, like, yeah, right now I'm going to draw like this perfect vehicle, you know, that looks original and looks gorgeous. It fits anywhere or this character design or this creature or this, and yeah, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but I think I, I just wanted to express the way I see it. No, I think uh, yeah. I think you hit upon a very important point, which is the process and developing your individual process is quite important. And personally, I'm not a very big fan of the term happy accidents because it it implies that things are happening on their own and you don't really have control over the way your process or your work is developing. 
and it kind of leaves it up to chance that maybe you keep trying stuff out and it may work or it may not work but what you're talking about is quite important because it's essentially developing your process to such a high degree that as you keep doing it more and more times like you mentioned the time required to come to a solution reduces but you have this set way of working that methodology is quite set and of course as you get more experience you can keep changing it but having that mindset of not relying on luck is quite important because you need to be aware of the fact that iterations <clears throat> are part of this process and i think that leads me to your own iteration as an artist over the years how have you developed yourself right from the beginning of your journey to this point yeah um yeah i i like what you said about the the happy accident thing because again it can provide you with that false sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. you know that oh i didn't even think about this but at the same time it's like i think that's part of the creative process as well you know like you will eventually run into something you did not expect and you either welcome it or reject it mm -hmm. right and that's i'm okay with that um but they inevitably make you happy whenever they happen you know that's why they call happy accidents because it's like oh yeah that's damn this is a bonus you know mm -hmm. i didn't Perhaps, count on this yeah, that's true cool happened um, so where I come from, uh, let's get into that actually. Yeah. The, the, my journey as an artist, my journey as an artist, I, well, as many other people, I started, uh, really early. Um, my mom said that I was like three or something when I grabbed the first pencil and I actually tried to draw something and she was like, what the hell? This guy is actually drawing stuff. Uh, now do this. Now draw a dog. Draw a house. And um, of course, with the capabilities of a three-year-old, <laughs> you you do that. And so what I'm trying to say here is that my parents saw this uh, pretty early in life. They observed this inclination I had for art, and they, yeah, they they nurtured that. And um, I eventually started to, you know, be really inspired by the cartoons I was watching on TV and trying to develop my own version of them until I got kind of bored of that. Like, yeah, I've seen these guys a lot of times. Like now I'm going to draw my own characters. Are there any know, particular cartoons own... that stand out from the past, which really inspired you at that time? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, there was a lot of Cartoon Network and mm -hmm. Fox Kids or whatever that was. And, um, yeah, I, I remember Dragon Ball Z was... I, I never really did a lot of anime, but there was a time in my life where I actually devoted some time to that as well, you know. And yeah, I, I feel it's part of the journey. You know, I didn't end up making it into something that I enjoy painting because that's another thing, you know. There's a lot of things that, en that I enjoy, like different art styles and different, you know, that I, I don't feel quite like... I can't do that myself, but I enjoy it when others do it, mm. you know. For instance, Blizzard, Blizzard style. I I like the way Overwatch looks. I like the way World of Warcraft looks, but I don't think I feel as fulfilled by, you know, painting that way. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, that's a very yeah. important thing to recognize as an artist. Yeah, I, I think I have a more colored realistic, if you wish, you know style 
like the proportions and all of that. Um, because, you know, lighting can also be, uh, what should I say? There's like lighting can be realistic in a stylized, uh, the forms, you know, stylized forms kind of thing. Like you, if you take a look at Pixar and all, all that stuff, lighting works just in our real world. It's just that the, the forms are stylized, you know, to fit their, the style. That's <laughs> so redundant, but yeah, that's so, um, yeah, dude, I was I was just doing my own stuff. Um, and I just realized that recently, you know, like, oh my God, I was already designing stuff since <laughs> I was really, really young. Um, and I still keep some of those paintings, some of those drawings, like coming up with my own characters and their own weapons and costumes. And yeah, and um, later on, I when I got my first computer, I was like nine years old. You know, my parents just bought the first computer and um, I was so happy, so happy to paint with a mouse, you know, on Microsoft Paint. And then I got uh, one of those little tablets as a gift. Uh, it was like a Genius brand, I think it was. Okay. It was re really small, really small. And I couldn't get used to that. <laughs> I couldn't get used to the concept of drawing on a device that's on the table and seeing the um, the drawing appear on the screen in front of me like hey why doesn't it show up here right here you know <laughs> where i'm painting so i put that away for a while and i kept drawing in in microsoft paint <clears throat> and i remember later in uh high school i was i was really excited about this this TV show on Discovery Channel, I think it was, that was called Overhauling. And it was a TV show of, um, it was like some dudes that were changing cars. You know, they were really tuning them up okay. without the owner knowing. So they, they actually uh, set that up as, as if they're getting their cars stolen or something, you know. So then they 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 return the cars a week later, but in a completely changed way, like not like the MTV tuning thing, which was like really, really crazy. But this was like more of, I don't know, that kind of style thing, that really elegant designs. And it was this guy called Cheap Foos, right? So Chip Foos was uh, this designer that painted in a way that I wanted to paint like. He was using markers. He was using, and I'm saying this because this was like a bounce for me from digital mm -hmm. back to traditional. So I'm going to describe to you what my journey was like bouncing between these two different um, mediums, right? So then now I'm back to pen and paper, right? And I'm using markers and I'm trying to use uh, color pencils and everything I saw him using, but the airsoft brush kind of thing which i was something i didn't have but um yeah i was trying to emulate his style you know and yeah that's that's how I, I i was starting to paint cars and stuff like that and then i switched to dragons and wolves i was really into wolves back then and i was trying to uh i i, I realized that i was always painting them from the same angle oh, it was okay. more comfortable you know, that that's that's something interesting because it's like, okay, now that I see I'm nailing it from this angle, I'm just gonna paint them all the time from this angle. That that's sort of a comfort zone sets in where you don't want to move out of that bubble. Yes. 
Exactly. Exactly. So uh, sometimes I would try to draw from a different perspective or something, but I remember I was really taking references from uh, uh, from other cartoons that feature similar characters or stuff like that. So, yeah. And then I was into pencil drawing once again. I remember I would draw on, you know, in high school, like I would draw on the tables mm -hmm. and every day uh, they would be cleaned, right? at the end of the day. Um, and the next day I would draw again and again. And um, yeah, teachers were not really happy with that <laughs> because it's like, hey, you're just, you know, scratching the tables. And I'm like, no, I'm just drawing. And and everybody was like defending me, like, come on, that's art, look at that, like, that's awesome. And I remember once uh, there was a teacher who came to to record me, you know, as I was drawing that and to do like a quick short interview about that. Like, so how do you do this? Like, Oh, uh, wow. What's your... That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was out of nowhere. I, I didn't expect that. So instead of punishing me, they were actually praising me somehow. So yeah, that was quite interesting. But uh, later on, you know, uh, I think I was 15 or so. And I realized that there was this thing that I would see all the time on YouTube, which was speed painting videos, speed painting landscapes, speed painting this, speed painting that. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. So what programs are they using? Photoshop? Coral Painter? Okay, well, let's try that out. And that's the moment I, I took the dust off of my old little tablet, you know, After and I decided to try it again. <laughs> Yes. And this time I stuck with it. And um, yeah, I was really happy to see myself making progress, you know, and I was watching a lot of YouTube videos of that kind. And yeah, and uh, and then I, I slowly started to get into digital painting. And I bounced once again, after finishing high school, and getting into this art degree, right after high school. Uh, they made us use a lot of pencil, a lot of charcoal, a lot of, you know, drawing like empty pots and, you know, spheres and uh, cubes and stuff like that. But what I got from there was the sense of proportions mm -hmm. of drawing from still life, which is something that I don't do enough today. And um, I would like to get more into that. But yeah, I remember they made us use they they made us do some exercises on our own like on our sketchbooks. Like you have to come up with a project. And I remember I was trying to come up with something that's mixing animals and humans. And I just remember this is before I knew anything about concept art. Like all I knew about concept art back then was that if I searched that on Google beautiful images of Assassin's Creed and stuff like that would show up, okay. you know? So I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Concept art. All right. But I didn't know exactly what it was for. So I remember I drew like this dragon that was seen from different perspectives, you know, like different angles, uh, separate parts of the body just explained together. And I remember the teacher was like, this is what you guys have to do. Look at this. This is what I want you to do. And I'm like, whoa, I'm doing something good. That's again. pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, that only motivated me to keep going, you know. And I remember later on when I uh, I was studying um, 
something related to graphic design, you know, something related to logo design, uh, identity, uh, corporate identity design and all that stuff. And, and uh, sorry to cut you off, but that was part of the same degree that you were pursuing? No, that, exactly. That's, that's separate, you oh, know. Okay. So that's, that's another one. And I wanted to actually join the illustration branch, but there were not enough seats. And they said, okay, we have this other thing, which is graphic design. It's the same thing. It's from the same family. You can, you can do that. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> Best thing ever. You know, that's where I got to know more about photography. I had to buy my own camera. I had to uh, get to learn about design principles, you know, uh, color theory and all these things that I still use nowadays, you know. Um, and also I got to learn some more about illustration because we had like two hours a week or so, I think, about illustration. Not much, right? But I, it was enough for me to to learn a little bit more about different techniques, like, for instance, using markers. I was not into markers at all. But it, it was like more of this industrial design teaching, mm -hmm. you know, to render stuff. So that was a nice addition to my skill set. And that's during this degree, I... I learned about concept art, right? I saw this guy called Feng Zhu. I don't know who that is, uh, yeah. but he was, he was he was making videos on YouTube, you know? And dude, that got me into it. I was like, holy shit, this is concept art. This, this is exactly what I want to do. It has everything I want to do, right? Games, creatures, you know, everything. Everything I liked was there. So uh, from there on, I started to practice on my own. And I, I remember I took, I took this kind of, it was more like a challenge for myself. Like, hey, let's, let's simulate like I'm working for a company and someone is asking me to come up with this character design. And now I have to design a creature. And now this concept of this place, you know, and of course my reference was, Facebook groups of similar interests, right? And I would take their presentation style as my reference and, okay, how can I present this character? So it's one from the front, then you have the three-quarter the three quarter view, and, you know, and, uh, yeah, dude, that's, that's uh, when this indie studio saw my work online. Oh, I, and, I, I just want to uh, stop you right there. Like, that's, that is so... Yeah brilliant because for somebody at such an early stage to be able to recognize and impose those sort of restrictions on yourself i think that's that shows a lot of clarity in the way you were approaching your work right from an early stage whereas even today like if some, sometimes a student approaches me and asks me like how do you get into concept art you almost need to tell them these basic things but you were almost able to deduce those factors by yourself and impose those restrictions which a studio would eventually put on a concept art piece of work. So I think that's really commendable that you were able to have that much insight to really develop much quicker. Yeah, I remember I actually wanted to take every single video of that channel as a daily lesson, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't get to do that because I, I was hired before I, <laughs> I could do anything. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but still, um, that's something I still do nowadays, right? Like not every video for a lesson every day, but um, it's something I, I sometimes go back to 
And yeah, it's it's a constant learning process, right? But what I what I'm trying to say is that I I simulated that, you know, as just out of pure fun, pure joy. You know, like I, I wanted to design something and I'm trying to imagine like I'm already working for someone else. And don't think of that as I imposed like a set of restrictions, like really strict rules or anything like that. I just said, like, imagine this, you know, mysterious character that has like chains and like a long robe or something. I don't know. It, it wasn't really that much that specific per se, right? That that detailed. But look, it got the attention of someone who happens to work at a studio and yeah. And so <laughs> and they asked me, how, like, how did you put are you your working? Work, how did somewhere? you put your work out there? Like, were you uploading it somewhere or did you know somebody? Oh, sure. So by this time, I'm trying to learn more English. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to improve my English and I'm trying to expand my connections online. Why? Because I went on a, on a trip with my friends back in 2014 and it was a trip around, around Europe. And in that trip, we met friends from another country that had way better English than ours, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to speak for myself here. Better English than I did. And I really felt that. I'm like, dude, my English sucks, man. So when I came back, I was like embarking myself in this journey of I'm going to improve myself every single day, right? I'm going to get better English so I can communicate better so I can expand my connections. And I started to join uh, Facebook groups, you know, art groups, design groups, concept art groups, and I would post my stuff there. And I think that's how these guys saw me. You know, they, they were like, hey, do you work somewhere? Do you work on a video game? Are you working on a video game or something? And I'm like, no, but I would actually like to. <laughs> and uh, to my surprise, because all I expected back then was to get hired for some 2D video game for phone or something like that, you know, nothing crazy. But then they said, no, 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 it's fully 3D. It's uh, we have cre creatures, characters, we have it's sci-fi and all that stuff. And I'm like, damn, all right, I'm all in, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, coming back to the, the learning process, uh, because I, I tend to extrapolate this to every everything I do, really, the English learning thing for me was really a big deal. Mm -hmm. Really, really, really. Because I I started to simulate again <laughs> that I was talking for an audience and I would record myself every day. Only the voice, right? Not my face, not on video, not no nothing. Just just my phone. Every time I went to the office or I I was just you know, having a walk, taking a walk around the park, I would just share some thoughts with my phone, right? I would just record my voice and I would then listen to myself and, you know, using the references from other YouTube videos, from movies, from, you know, anything you can listen in English. I'm, I'm taking English here as my example because that's the language I want to learn, but I think it applies for anything out there. Mm -hmm. And I slowly started to feel this, change this improvement you know over time the first year i was like oh, damn my english was shit man look at the beginning like now it's way better and the next year the same thing you know you always look back and you think you've improved and 
the, the funny thing here is that I, I came to a point where I thought, that's it. That's it. This is, I have a perfect English now. And then I looked back and I was like, dude, this is it. It's, it's perfect. And still, one year later, I would still look back and say the same thing, you know, like, dude, I can still improve so much more. So see how this works? It's like, no matter how high you think you've gotten into this mountain, you know, you can still climb even more. Absolutely. It, it, there, there's no, there's no cap, you know, per se. I really admire this ability of yours to so methodically create a pathway for your own development. You know, I'm sure like there must be people encouraging you, definitely your teachers early on and your parents and various circumstances al always help in that process. But as an individual, you need to take those steps to be able to create a pathway for yourself to develop. And I think it's quite clear and evident in these incidents that you've shared so far that no matter how small or big the task may be, you're able to create a very simple pathway for yourself and you just keep following that process. You're not worried about how long that may take. You're just believing in that process. So I think that's really interesting, especially yeah, at I, such I, an early I, stage. Yeah, I, I really believe that um, having that support from everybody around me was crucial mm -hmm. in my journey uh, because there's a lot of people that don't don't have that kind of support. You know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of, they, they find a lot of resistance and not from themselves, but from the people around them. And they still manage to get through that. And I have so much respect for all of them. That's insane. Definitely. definitely. You know, I, I, I feel really, I, I really feel so fortunate of uh, having everything that I have, everything I've gone through, um, all the ups and downs, all the negative stuff as well, but all the positive stuff as well, all the victories and all the failures. I think that's what makes your journey. And I'm, Honestly, I'm, I'm really thankful for having gone through all of that because that makes who I am today. You know, they made me. So, yeah, that, that's the way I, I look at stuff. I don't know. Uh, some people tend to be like, oh, I would have changed that, you know, or this, or I would have done that instead of that. But truly, I don't know. In my case, I, I feel like there's no regrets on anything. No, no, it was all worth it. That's a great thing because then that shows that you know that you're on the right path. You know that you're developing in the way that you want to. And I guess I want to use that as a tangent to talk about your journey early on as a professional artist. How, how was that mindset change in terms of now you need to respond to somebody else's deadlines, somebody else's requirements? Because all this while you're setting these barriers and restrictions and conditions for yourself, but you're still... You are you are at the liberty to change it whenever you want to, but the moment somebody else gets involved, it's it's like a responsibility, right? So how did you deal with that change? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because there's been quite a an evolution, you know, <laughs> from uh, every, every since I started in in this industry. Because think of it the following way: I started in a very small team, right? It was a small project that turned pretty ambitious. And I was the only artist. So I was, it was only me and two programmers. And yeah, uh, they, they had some notions of art, but, you know, eventually that all that weight was laid upon me. So 
um, it's funny because that's that's how I became like a lead artist or a lead concept artist or whatever superior position you wanted to put on that. Because later on, they started to add people, um, interns, you know, they were having interns. And it's 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 funny what these these guys did because they were uh, they were studying as they were coming up with their own company. They were studying a, de- a degree in video games. Oh, so they were and, like the same age as you, I'm guessing, like quite young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, they became like a reference in their own degree, you know, like teachers were looking up to them, inviting them to give uh, to give talks and stuff like that to the students. So that was that was really remarkable for them. At least that's the way I see it. And I was the only artist. And then, yeah, the deadlines and and everything, that was a really fun thing to experience because every time there was like a fair or like an event approaching, right? We, we would spend like, yeah, quite a long time crunching, you know, (laughs) Uh, but it didn't feel bad to me. It felt like exciting. I don't know, like, Oh man, we get to stay up late here working on this. You know, we got to get this get get it ready for the event. And it was it was all fun. I mean, it wasn't really a bad experience. The thing is that later on, you know, after a couple of years, I started to realize that I was not really aligned with um the way the team communicates and I saw these kind of differences straight from the beginning, but I just associated that to like um the profession you know like oh they're programmers they're not meant to be this way i'm an artist you know i meant to be this way okay but then i i just realized that no man that's nothing that that's not something bounded to the profession that's something that's bound to the personality of each of every single one of us i simply could not understand um the way they worked you know i couldn't fit there anymore so that unfortunately led me to uh say goodbye to the project and just you know jump into other stuff but it was really really cool uh the time i i uh, i stayed there um was really nice i I met oh man i met a lot of people (laughs) that's that was really interesting you know all these events i've been to promoting the the project and it's insane the connections you make man, with these events. And that, that's something that I always t- tell people ever since, you know, my first art event, not video game event, no, nothing like technology or anything, just art event, right? The first one was in 2017 and it was in Croatia, IFCC. Oh, okay. That was like an explosion of connections and um, dopamine and... <laughs> anything that's positive that you can think of for me. I met my art heroes. I met new people, new artists. Uh, I met people who I was talking through uh, Facebook, for instance, with in person, which was an insane experience as well. Like, dude, dude, I never saw you before. That's so cool, man. And yeah, dude, I don't know. That's, that was my takeaway. Like guys, put your money into this, you know, spend money going to events and visiting places. That's the way. <laughs> and yeah, man, I don't know. That's, uh, that's fascinating. That's something that inspired me, inspired me a lot. You know, it's not only the events themselves, you know, like the talks and all of that, but also the experience that are surrounding the events, mm-hmm. 
you know, just having some beers with someone you just met at the event, you know, a group of people and just learning about their, their careers, their, the steps they took to get there. And there's a lot of insightful information you can, you can make that you can get that way and make, make new friends, which by the way, you never know where you're going to end in the future. Maybe you're going to, you guys are going to work together, you know, maybe you're going to be his or her art director in the, in the future. Maybe they're going to be yours. You know, you, you don't, you never know. That's the fun thing about this. That's so true. Like you never, you just never know when you might meet another, the same person a couple of years down the line. And I guess like what they say is quite true. It's a small industry, so to speak, because especially now that everyone's so interconnected, even if I feel, even if you're not able to visit events in the current climate, because most of the events are happening online, I think it's quite imperative to take the initiative and talk to people as much as you can and keep developing those friendships. And I think as a, as a younger artist for you at that point, I'm sure it must've been such a wide world opening up to you at that point, because suddenly you're meeting your art heroes, you're learning from them. (laughs) It was overwhelming in a positive way. Yeah. I'm curious to know how your experience was there. Like, was it intimidating for you or was it fun for you? How was it? It was, it was intimidating because, because I didn't, feel quite comfortable with my English, but um, yeah, because, you know, you, you can't help it, but to compare yourself to other people sometimes. And I was like, okay, this guy is a non-native speaker yet has way better English than me. And the same thing for art. This guy just came into the art industry like a year ago and he's already performing way better than me, right? Mm-hmm. He's doing way better than me. So all the, those sort of comparisons that are not always healthy, <laughs> right? Started to store my head. Uh, but it was overall like a really positive experience, dude. Like crazy, like an explosion of a galaxy or something like that of ideas and connections. And I, yeah, I, it, it, I think it went way over my expectations, you know, any, any expectations I had. And yeah, just, you know, getting that, what do you call that? Like validation mm-hmm. from uh, external validation from other artists. That's something that felt really good. Like to, to see people looking at your work, work that you didn't feel quite confident about, yet they were letting you know that it's awesome. And dude, this is so cool. Like, where do you work? You know? Um, and I'm like, well, it's, Yeah. It's this is what I do. I don't know. It's nothing much. Dude, this is so cool. Yeah. And and what I'm trying to say with this is that just getting into those conversations is something that you feel like it feeds your soul in a way, you know? Like, oh man, I'm so thankful for being here. And I remember the first feedback session I got in person was with the six more vodka guys. Oh, you know, with Marco Djurjevic. And I took it really personal, <laughs> not in front of him, but later with myself alone, you know, I, I had my portfolio reviewed by him and he concluded saying, yeah, you got to paint less and draw more. And I was like, oh. but <laughs> I spent like the last six months just filling up sketchbooks, you know, only with dra- line drawings. 
But of course, I didn't show that to him. So he had no way to know that. And I was showing probably older work mm -hmm. as well. So, but still work that I was proud of. I, I wouldn't have shown it if, if it wasn't that way. But what I'm trying to say by this is that a lot of people get into this kind of sensation at some point during a, a feedback session and they will feel attacked, right? Like, oh, so you mean I'm not good enough? You mean I can't make it? You, what do you mean? You know, this is, this is great. This painting is okay, you know? Because you probably only expect them to say, it's great. Good this job. is good awesome. Job. You're yeah. good. Right? So when, it, when that doesn't happen, how do you react? <laughs> That's the thing. And there's no, I don't think there's an, any way to train about that. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't have any advice for someone to prepare for something like that. I think I would just recommend you to go for it. You know, experience that. See what it feels like. And then you'll understand. Like, wait a minute. This is not taking me anywhere, right? So uh, there's something <clears throat> there's something I noticed. I, I heard the guys that I worked with once say that Adrian takes feedback very good. You know, like anything we, we tell him to change, he's just saying, yeah, you're right. Actually, that can work way better than, uh, than this. And I would just change it. And I was happy to do any changes and all that stuff, which, which is something crucial in concept art, right? Absolutely. Which is something that's constantly changing all the time. So, yeah, that's something that I would say um, not like identifies me, but I think I'm, I'm quite open to suggestions and recommendations. That doesn't mean that I don't stand for the stuff I believe that is, that has its own integrity and all that stuff, but uh, still, I think that's a really important aspect of your mindset to have in, to take into account if you're dedicating yourself to this. And yeah, now that's a good point. That's a very good point, especially because one thing I've noticed. Okay, when you're talking about these events, we we as concept artists we go interact with more concept artists, and concept artists have a certain way of looking at the artwork that is being developed. But then when you speak to a 3D artist or when you speak to a producer or a very senior art director, they have very different expectations out of what that artwork needs to do because they are looking at the project from a very different perspective. So I think it's also important to get feedback from those kind of people as well because they will let you know what the artwork is actually serving the purpose for. Because if it's your completely personal project, then it's fine, you have complete control over it. But again, when you're really trying to serve a particular project, it's quite important to get those perspectives as well so that you don't get locked into a certain way of looking at your artwork. And I think that's, again, a good thing that you have where you're willing to change the artwork or willing to accept certain criticisms and feedback, which not everyone can do, no matter how senior they get sometimes. It's, it's interesting that you said that because uh, at that first event, I got to sit down with people who I had no idea they were 3D artists, oh, right? Okay. Like some reason, I just went to that event thinking that everybody there is a concept artist, right? <laughs> so uh, then to my surprise, I was talking to people like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Like, can I see your work? And they were like, yeah, sure. And uh, everything was in 3D. And I'm like, wow, you're a 3D artist. And yeah, but sometimes I like to paint, you know, to kind of relax a little bit from the 3D job. And I was like, damn, dude, but I mean, you're so good 
at both things. You're good in 3D, you're good in 2D. Holy hell. So um, I, I was saying that because, again, I think I was having myself as a reference because when I got hired at this first job, I had to do a lot of 3D stuff. And I'm not talking about 3D to be implemented in a 2D process. I'm talking about 3D to be production ready for the gaming engine to work in 3D. Oh, okay. You know? That's interesting. But did As you have any prior knowledge and skills about that? No, nothing, nothing at all. Nothing, absolutely <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> the only thing I did was uh, a dragon head in ZBrush. And that was out of pure curiosity, you know, like, what's ZBrush? Hmm, that's so cool. So I can sculpt in 3D. That's so awesome. And that was my first, um, yeah, the first thing I did in 3D. The first program was ZBrush. So they said, do you know any 3D? And I'm like, no. Okay, but we have a lot of 3D stuff to be done here. So, um, yeah. Better learn I'm it. like, why, why don't you guys hire a 3D artist? Because I'm not. They're like, well, you know, the budget is, budget is limited. Uh, we can't hire anyone else now. You're the only artist. You'll have to deal with it and you have to learn it. And I was like, okay, so this is not necessarily what I signed up for, but <laughs> I can take it. And I approached that with excitement, you know? I had no idea what that was, and it pushed me even harder to learn better English because the availability of tutorials and all that sort of information was limited in, in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it pushed me further to keep learning and keep expanding my connections. And there was some people who helped me a lot during that time. I was asking them questions about technical stuff in 3D. Like I couldn't even get my head around what maps were, you know, like normal maps, like this kind of map, this kind of map. What the hell is a map, dude? I can't get that. Like, where do I see that in the program? I couldn't, I didn't know where to click to get stuff done, but I slowly started to learn and every model was, you know, inevitably better than the previous one because and, and, you know, I, I started to, uh, they said, okay, but now you have to redo the, the initial ones because the, the difference is quite huge now. So, yeah, why, why did I bring this up? Um, no, we were talking about, you know, getting the feedback from different types of artists and different people in different right. positions. I think that's how we went into this. Well, that's cool. It's you can continue. How I branched out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually curious, yeah. like... Um, Considering the fact that this was your very first job in the entertainment industry, so to speak, was it able to sustain you monetarily? Yeah, this was actually the first job that allowed me to sustain myself hmm, monetarily. Okay. That's interesting. Even to the point of having to move to another city um, with the team, you know, to work at a new office, uh, we got elect, uh, selected for for a PlayStation program kind of thing. So we got the game into consoles as well, right? And they provided you with the the place, the the team, the and when I say the team, it's not like a development team. It's more like marketing and all that stuff, right? So that was really cool. You know, I, I got to experiment like what's what's like to live in another city. Uh, what is like to drive like half an hour every day, you know, 
and all that stuff. Because where I live here, this is not a huge city. This is for me. This is perfect. You know, we have mountains, the beach, everything's so close. And uh, to experiment that kind of bigger city, mm -hmm. right, uh, was really interesting. And yeah, but before this job, I did have. So I, I just want to talk about my experience with freelance and. Um, you know, prices and how do you price your work and all that stuff. Because before this, dude, I sold uh, photo sessions, right? I would take pictures mm -hmm. for five bucks, right? So that's Adrian learning <laughs> graphic design, right? And discovering his passion for photography, right? So I was so much into it that... You know, I had a friend who asked me, hey, um, you took those pictures of your of your cousin? And I'm like, yeah, uh, we were just having fun, you know. Uh, he was like trying to be a model and stuff like that. So he liked to have some new pictures and I wanted to see what my camera could do. So he was like, damn, so, okay, I want to pay you to do that. How much do you charge? And I just said, well, I don't know, five bucks? <laughs> like, I'm no professional. I I don't feel comfortable charging that much you know so i ended up doing like 30 pictures like edited and retouched and everything for five bucks and that was crazy for me wow. because when i actually got to do the job i was like this is worth more than five bucks dude <laughs> absolutely it was <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh that was i feel like this is the experience that gets you to reflect upon the value of your work because when they ask you, hey, how much do you charge? You, unless you've done that before, you have no idea what to say. You either come up with some crazy price or something that's way too low. Something that, and I feel that's quite dangerous because once you say something, that's in the memory of people, right? That's what they remember you for. It's like, oh, but you said five bucks before. Why is it 20 now? That's true. That's true. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, that's a lesson that you need to learn the hard way unless somebody, you know, teaches you how to properly price your work. And that's a trap that many, many artists fall into early on, myself included, when I was doing freelance way, way back in the day. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's something that once you learn that fact about how you can properly price your work, then you really start understanding the value that your work is generating. And yeah. I think unless you realize that factor, it's very hard to price your work properly because you need to know what you're bringing to the table. Yeah, and I think it, it really depends on, oh man, there's a lot of variables, you know. It depends on who is asking, you know, how much experience do you have, how confident you feel about what you do and all that stuff. Because for me, back then, for instance, let's take photography, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't really confident about my skills in photography. Even though I enjoyed it, I liked it a lot. I was really into the technical stuff. I just felt bad if I asked for more, right? Because it's like I didn't earn it or something. But like when it comes down to something you've been doing for a long time, you feel quite confident. I feel you, I think you don't feel that bad for asking a price that you think is right for you, right? And again, the comparison thing comes into the game and... It's like, oh, but the these other guys are asking for this much, you know, which is way more than I'm asking for. And there was one time I realized that 
you know, if you ask for lower prices all the time, uh, people tend to get used to that. And yeah, it's kind of hurting the industry because then the other guys who it's like you devalue the work of uh, other people somehow. Right. But I, I don't think I necessarily agree with that because at least not entirely because there must be a reason you're charging so low. That's either the quality, that's either your confidence, which is inevitably reflected through your work Mm -hmm. or something else. Right. So it's like, why would I want to pay like a thousand bucks? Right. If this guy can do it for 200, right. And you're like, well, okay, then just have him do that. Right. And then uh, we will talk. Right. So what I'm trying to say here is that the price can sometimes reflect the quality of the work and the experience and all of that. And there's a reason why the big names out there can charge that much, right? They have earned it, I feel like, you know? And there's a like um, a combination of speed, quality, you know, how fast can you work? How good can you, how good your work is? You know, how good do you communicate? That's a big factor. Can you, That's a very big factor. Can you... Can you work within a team and all that, all that kind of stuff, right? And this is all a product of experience. There's no way to learn it. There's, there's not a formula to learn this. It's just you, you, you keep learning because we all have like a unique path, I feel like. Even though there's like a structure that you can follow, mm-hmm. right? All the details are unique to our own journeys. Like we all have our own journey. That's quite and true. I mean... Um... Just kind of picking up on the point that you were talking about, you know, where price comparisons begin. It's not like somebody is purposely trying to get themselves less money. It's just that they genuinely don't have the experience to charge that kind of money. And I feel like it's kind of wrong when really senior artists try to put down those juniors or really younger artists who are so-called hurting the industry. It's just that they don't know any better at that point because nobody will voluntarily take less money. It's their own life at the end of the day. So they want to earn the best money they can. And again, like you mentioned so many factors, those are things that slowly kept, kept, keep building up in a person's career. So it's very hard yeah. to expect somebody in their first job to straight away say, okay, $1,500 per hour, yes or no. Yeah. You know, nobody has that kind of confidence <laughs> right up. Exactly. Because there's this this fear of losing the, the opportunity as well, mm-hmm. right? Which is something that I had a lot. Um, and it's like, oh, if I say too much, they might be even offended and they walk away and I lose the opportunity to get a, a job, right? It's like, yeah, people are kind of afraid, you know, to say a price that's too high that they think might be too high. Mm-hmm. Um, just in case they... they they lose the the opportunity or whatever. But I think that that's something that you have to go through. You know, you, you keep trying, you keep testing, I think. And that's, for me, in my case, it was like, at some point, I was posting art online. You know, I embarked into this freelance job, uh, sorry, this freelance ad- adventure. And I was like, how how am I going to make this? You know, uh, I don't have any clients. I don't have anything. So uh, I have no experience, you know, of business. I don't know how to do business because artists also have to be business people, you know. 
Um, I actually have a question about this. Was there any sort of, let's say, concern from your parents' side that, okay, you've you've acquired these skills now? How, where where do you start working, or how does this industry actually work? Because I I don't assume that they would know what concept art exactly is. They just know that okay, you're yeah. in a creative field, right? So, did they have any sort of yeah. concerns like that? Yeah. Uh, so, no, not really. More like my dad, I would say. Mm-hmm. He was more worried. Like, weren't you okay there? Like, earning money every month. That's that was a job. Like, what about now? And I'm like, I'm I'm still earning money. It's just that you don't know exactly when, you know, <laughs> and you don't know exactly how much because sometimes it's slower, sometimes it's higher. But yeah, and uh, what I'm trying to say here is that, is that my parents actually supported me all the time, no matter what. It's just that they don't really understand. I think my mom does really understand more about what I do because she is more interested in knowing more. Mm-hmm. My dad is like, all right, if you like this, whatever. You know, he's not an art guy at all, um, but he tries to support me in his in his own way. But uh, I, I, I've tried explaining to them a lot of times, like the whole pipeline process, where does my job fit within such a such an industry, you know, because he was like, OK, you but you only paint stuff, you only draw stuff. Where is that in the game? I don't see that in the game. Mm-hmm. Where's the paintings in the game? You know, and I'm like, look, this is how it how this works. OK, so he was like, oh, so there's. Oh my god! But that's so many people. Like, really, those teams are that that big? Like, yeah, sometimes even thousands of people. Holy shit! This this industry is huge. And I'm like, well, yeah. And he was like, well, who's gonna pay for that? Like, why would someone pay for that? <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, another business, you know. There's some value you see in something, and you pay for it, you know. So yeah, but they they've always been really supportive. And obviously, as I said in the beginning. Uh, when I, when I embarked in this journey, you know, of, uh, more like freelance, um, uh, they were kind of worried about like, what's going to happen now, you know, and this is a lifestyle that is quite different from the, from the nine to five type of schedule, you know, because now you get to have all this freedom of doing whatever you want at any time you want. But that's really dangerous at the same time because you can fall into the trap of comfort, right? So you still have to be really disciplined to do something like this. And sometimes I really think of, you know, hey, man, I would actually like to go back to the office. You know, <laughs> there's some people who um, they they buy themselves or they rent like a place to go work. You know, uh, in my case, I just work from my my own place here from, from my house. But um because I've I've been conditioning this to be like a workspace, right? There's people who have rules, people who live with their families, they have children and stuff. Like from this time to this time, there's no one comes into this place. No one's no one comes into this room, right? I, I think I heard Maché Kuchera said this yeah, uh, yeah. once in the He's podcast. Quite... Like, yeah, we have strict rules here, unless it's a life or death situation. <laughs> you know, there's no interruptions. And I really second that. I really second that because, I mean, you, you've you probably experienced it as well. Like how awful it feels to be interrupted when you're into the flow state, you know, into the zone. You're really, really 
feeling that kind of uh, productivity. And for whatever reason, you know, a phone call or someone knocks the door or someone, whatever, man, it's like, yeah, it's, it's five minutes of interruption now. And the amount of time it takes to get back mm -hmm. is insane. It, I don't, I, I feel like most people don't realize that, you know, come on, man. It's only a minute. It's just a minute, dude. You know, the reason why that might be is because if a non-artist interrupts you, they are not looking at mm -hmm. time in the same way that you may be looking at time. Because yeah. to them, it's like they are just trying to have a regular conversation. But in your mind, you're in the middle of making thousands of decisions for that particular project that you're making. So it suddenly <laughs> breaks that flow of thought. So, yeah. But of course, they should be respectful of not disturbing people, definitely. But I guess it just comes down to the way people look at time. I think an athlete would, uh, would really respect this sort of flow state because they know that they need to get into a particular zone to be able to perform either in the match that they are performing in or even during a practice session. I think that same mentality yeah, goes there's in. This, there's the same concept of warming up, mm -hmm. right? Like we've all seen a lot of people posting stuff online, like this morning's warm up, you know, and it's like a 30 minute sketch or something. Uh, the same concept applies to this, you know, it's not like a physical warm up, perhaps like in the way an athlete does, but it really serves as a psychological warm up, like getting yourself into this mindset of producing stuff, you know, drawing stuff, not getting distracted with anything, you know? So yeah, that, that, that brings me to mention the, the fact of, you know, playing stuff in the background, like music or maybe movies or maybe documentaries or whatever that sometimes can really ruin my productivity as well. As much as I love that, sometimes I have to just shut it off. And that's, that's, it's, <laughs> it's quite impossible that I'm saying this, but it's true because I, I love that, right? I love to see stuff in the background. I love to listen to interesting uh, documentaries and stuff, but sometimes I just can't, you know, especially if I'm trying to focus on the, the main steps, the, the initial steps in a design, I really, I really have to focus and yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a strange thing, but I think we all relate to that mm -hmm. at some point. I think point. I can relate to that. So do you work in complete silence for certain stretches of your work where you really need to make those critical decisions? And then once that phase is done, you not Yeah, not all the time, but sometimes I I have to. Okay. <laughs> I have to because if not I I can't focus. I keep paying attention to the words or maybe one thing that helps me is perhaps uh, movie scores or soundtracks that have no lyrics, mm -hmm. you know, it's only instrumental. So that's, that's quite something I could listen to, but even, no, even that, you know, sometimes it's, it's too much. I don't know, man, it's like overwhelming. So I have to turn it off and yeah, but again, this is only in the, in the initial stages, right? When your brain has to really be at a hundred percent and yeah, because otherwise I get distracted and you get frustrated because you can't focus. And <laughs> sometimes it's, it's stupid. It's stupid clear that you know what's going on. You know what's distracting you, but you don't turn it off, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it does take quite a, a lot of discipline to do that as well, to get used to this. I think that's the way you build habits as well, you know, practice, 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 and you keep... Um, 
you keep copying yourself again and again. You know, you keep plagiarizing yourself again and again until that builds into a style. Mm. And it's like, this is how I work. That's an interesting you know? way to look at it. Actually, this leads me to <laughs> your big personal project because I think that's a good segue into your personal project. I think I'll let you introduce the project first and then I'll ask the question. So, okay. Heaven, Heaven right. Orion, so why don't okay. you start with that? Yeah. Uh, so Heaven Orion is the name of my dream project, my life project, my personal project, my first IP. And it started way before I can even think of, really. Because in my mind, it started like a couple of years ago, back in 2018. I, I haven't got used to 2021 yet. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's like... Um, it's like a culmination of all my dreams, my the stuff I like, the artwork that I adore, you know, all the projects that I admire, all the fantasy projects, all the story, all, all the books, everything that I like put into one project with a story that is 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 pretty personal. And that's why it took me a while to expose the project to the public, you know. Not like I had anything done yet, but, you know, the few images I had, it, it's, it was like, I don't want people asking me what, what this is about, you know, because I don't even know it myself yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in the beginning, yeah, I, as I was working on this and, you know, dropping those sketches and creating out of nowhere, like I had no idea what this was coming from. And then I realized this is not something from now. This is not something that I just came up with right now. This is something that's been building on for a long time now. You know, I remember years back when I just, I was obsessed with this idea that everybody else seems to have a damn personal project. (laughs) You know, I want to have one too. So I couldn't come up with something because it was, it felt really artificial, you know, like I just want to create a personal project for the sake of making a personal project. I have no, no uh, purpose with it, but this time was different. This time is like, this project came to me, right? Yeah, you didn't go, <laughs> was one of the, you didn't go trying to seek a so-called personal project. It's something that developed organically. Yes. And you know where that started with a single idea, simple thought, Right. It was as, well, many of you guys have seen the the video that I, I posted a couple of years ago. So it was a mountain hike with my dog. And this dog is like my soul, right? I I, I love him so much. It's, it's like part of me, part of my journey. And he actually inspired me to come up with this mm-hmm. because we were hiking in the mountain. And I was just looking at him and thinking, wow, man, what if we would reverse the scale? You know, what if you were as big as I am to you? right? While I'm still maintaining my human scale, that would be amazing, right? And it's not like something unique, something that you haven't seen anywhere else. There's a lot of characters with big creatures, but this was personal. This was unique to me because it's me and my dog, right? Who I love a lot. So that inspired me to come up with this simple sketch when I came back home and I developed that into a bigger painting. And that sparked a lot of questions, who are these guys, by the way? What's the story here? What, what is this place? Where are they coming from? Where are they going? So 
I started to answer those questions by simply sketching more <laughs> and finding out more about it. And I, I kept developing until I just started to put into the game, like all of these desires to come up with a story that I was so interested in when this is something I didn't mention before, but when I was working um, at this first job that I had, I really took the story of the project really seriously because uh, there was someone who highly suggested me to look into the story because it's really interesting. It's really not interesting. It's important. It's crucial to have a story to which something like, um, you know, these guys said something like, oh, yeah, but we don't care about the story. It's, it's just a game. You know, it's an online game. It doesn't have to have story. You know, like this game doesn't have a story. That super famous game doesn't have a story. And that was not true. You know, no, I think everything, everything has, a, has a story. Yeah, it needs everything. to have a story. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was highly recommended to look into the story and come up with something that gives meaning to everything, all the visuals, right? So I was like trying to learn more, looking up at uh, you know books that explain this. Um, I remember I watched the entire Star Wars uh, from Episode One to Episode Six. You know. <laughs> all in one week oh, wow. and getting more into the the structure of how did how did he create this you know how did he make this like what was the formula and trying to search for this source of knowledge from here from there from this documentary from this book from this and this was a moment for me when i came up with my project to put all of that into practice right so I was so excited of trying to come up with that. But then that sense of perfectionism kind of kicked in mm -hmm. and it ruins everything because it's like you can't do anything because nothing's going to be ever perfect. So you'll, you're going to be constantly delaying it. And I got to a point where I said, you know what, I think it's enough. You know, people have to know about this. Like it's also a way to push myself. It's also a way to, um, what do you say? There's not compromise, but. Like, like hold yourself to, accountable, for, accountable to deliver the yeah, project. Yeah, to commit. I, I wanted to commit to this. Mm -hmm. So now that people know about this, and by the way, that was such a great day when I saw everybody kind of appreciating this and, and saying, hey, dude, what is this? We want to know more about it. That's so cool. You have a personal project? Oh, my God, that's so cool. Just keep posting more. And I'm like, wow, okay. They like it. <laughs> so that was, that was really like a bonus because to me, simply being able to work on my own stuff was already like a big win to me it was like success that's success to me already and yeah and that's that's how it that's how it started and from there on i started to answer those questions which by the way it's like when you fix a problem you know 10 more appear, appear yeah <laughs> when i when i answer one of the questions 10 more appear so um yeah i'm dealing with it right now ever since i started but it's a fun process. I love that. I love that because I associate it to something that belongs to me, something that I belong to as well. So that's why it's so special. So yeah, if you have uh, any any questions, just... Oh yeah, absolutely. I have quite a few questions about this project. I think, first of all, I love to see this sort of enthusiasm towards one's work because it shows to me that that person is really committing their time and energy towards developing something they enjoy and they're not just doing it because they have to like earlier when you were talking about the fact that oh everyone has a personal project even i should have a personal project 
it was evident that maybe you weren't quite ready to have a so-called personal project yet. You weren't ready to commit the time and effort it requires to develop something long-term. So, so the first of the questions was, uh, before you started diving into the project, you were talking about plagiarizing your own work and coming to a certain style. And I had this question about when you're plagiarizing your own work within a set universe or within a set project, do you end up constraining yourselves to a certain design style or certain possibilities? Or is that a good thing because you're, you're able to stay true to that universe? And what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe just elaborate on that. I think I'm not able to yeah, form yeah. the question perfectly. Maybe, um, maybe I am on a macro scale, you know, like the big picture is kind of restrained, uh, really limited mm -hmm. in some way. Because it's like this universe breathes uh, breathes a, a certain air of fantasy, you know, and mythology and magic and stuff like that. That doesn't mean that it can't have certain elements of sci-fi, but definitely not to a point where you start seeing robots and, you know, uh, laser guns and all that stuff, right? right? Okay. So I allow myself to be flexible in that sense, but while I'm developing it, I know where I'm going with this, you know, in a certain way. Not like I know how it's going to end, like not like I know everything, every detail, but that's also like, by the way, that's also a fun part for me that I don't exactly know because there's like two ways of developing something, which is, this is more associated to writers actually, but uh, there's like the gardener, and the architect. So the architect, before you start you start building stuff, you have to know everything. Everything's designed, and then you just execute. Mm -hmm. And then the gardener just waters that seed that grows into a plant, that grows into a tree, and you don't know what the branches are gonna be like. Where are they gonna grow to? You know. So I like to be kind of in the middle because I just realized I was being an architect all this time. And that's why I never start. Uh, I never started. You know, I never started to develop it. I was just thinking of, hey, where are the limits of this world? You know, I was thinking of the the world building aspects. You know, all the laws and the all the sort of things, but the story, no story. And I'm like, I have no story. I just have the characters. I have this and that. How do they interact? So, I think a fun way to approach this is to start small and just grow from there. Some people approach it the other way around, maybe the way I started. You know, I started thinking of the cosmic proportions of the whole universe and how then we kind of step down to, you know, down to earth per se. <laughs> and uh, that allows you to have like two different uh, perceptions or perspectives about your own world. And yeah, and, and, and taking into account like, all my interests, you know, in, you know, uh, mythology, history, religion, science, all those things. Uh, how can I synthesize that together into something that kind of not necessarily represents me, but represents what I would like to see, you know, what I would like to live as an adventure myself, you know, like I would like to be in that world, you know, with those characters and, yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, I. It, it's something funny because last summer, 
uh, no, not this one, 2019, I approached this as an exercise to revamp my portfolio before I went to LA to Lightbox. Mm -hmm. Lightbox was a huge event, the biggest one I've ever seen in my life. And I wanted to go there and show my portfolio for the first time with my new work from Havenurian. And I think that was the first time that I was showing my work at that scale. You know, like, yeah, this is it. This is what I've been working on. This is my project. You know, this is... And I remember talking to Ian McKay. Ian McKay, dude, for me, that was huge. That was insane, like, to talk to someone like that and to have them give me, like, feedback on my work. He took a look to all the portfolio, all the the architecture designs, the creature designs. He said, that's awesome. You have a world, but you don't have a story. So... I was like, oh, damn, that's like, I took an arrow to the knee. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was so right. I was like, well, he, he's obviously right, but how do, how the hell do I create a story? You know? So, um, you know how m- many artists, writers, musicians kind of inspire themselves by their own life, you know, and all the events that they've been through. Um, I think that's a really good way to go about this. Because there's no better inspiration than your own story. So you don't have to print it like it is, right? You you kind of have to take that essence, you know, and just decorate it as you wish to turn it into something that's fitting within a fantasy world or a sci-fi world or whatever you want. And this is not a like a guidebook or anything there's no guidebook guidebook for this it's creativity it's that's the the main essential part of this that it can be as you wish but i remember he was telling me that you have to choose this window through which you want me to look to your world right it's like this is what what cinema also does right like they choose the frame they have this big world but then where do you want me to look and that's where rules of composition comes in and all that stuff. And that also applies to writing, to the story, to what this is about. And yeah, and, and this is, I don't know, man, I'm just so excited about, about everything about this project. And this is, I breathe this every day, 24-7. I don't want to know about anything else. This is what fulfills me the most, you know, to be able to work on this and just fantasize about those moments those stories every time i walk you know i sometimes take my phone with me and anything i come across any thought of idea or um maybe i witness something like i don't know <laughs> some special some particular phenomena that i didn't see before something with the rain perhaps or the light the way it works with this particular scenario or maybe this bird or maybe this I once saw a snake in the park that that was like, wow, dude, that, that we can turn that into something for the story. You know, maybe, I don't know, man, anything, anything can really work. So yeah, I'm sorry. I'm getting way too excited no, no, about this. I, I love that. I, okay. I love the enthusiasm that you have towards this project. And I got to tell you that the analogy of the gardener and the architect was, I think, quite brilliant. I really like the way you broke down those two approaches and, I think when I think about that concept, I definitely consider myself more of the architect type of designer where I've 
thought about yeah. the start and the end don't, and then don't I... associate that to me I, i i didn't come up with that that was actually um george r martin i think oh okay uh, the one from of, yeah, of course the, the, the guy from song of ice and fire yeah <laughs> yeah i think i think it was him who who came up with that but i i find it so fascinating you know it makes so much sense absolutely absolutely it makes quite a bit of sense and i think now that you mentioned that point about how you were approaching developing this project and when i look back at the quite a large body of concepts that you've developed for heavenurian at this point it's quite evident that the gardener approach so to speak has created this vast world within which now you're starting to find these moments and stories small small incidents that are happening within that world and eventually i don't know when maybe many years later there'll be like this very very vast interconnected lore within the world just through these moments and i don't know maybe you want to talk about how you think about this project in the long run um yeah sure i can be as transparent as i as i can with that because I have no idea where this is going. I just know I want to work on this for the rest of my life, dude. <laughs> I want to develop because here's the thing. I have so many story moments, so many places, so many plot twists and all that stuff in my mind, right? Now, putting that on paper is another story. So, since I feel so connected to this project, um I really feel like like I want to do it myself. right but there are some things like i i tried to do like an animation thing mm-hmm. last summer and it's not like animation in the way you you probably be thinking about it but more like a parallax kind of thing right got it but still it needs several images right and you have to produce those images and that's time and uh the lack of excitement is never a thing for me <laughs> so i'm always channeling that through my work but i feel like i have this problem with wanting to do so many things at the same time like have you ever felt that like when you're working on something that's uh, you're having so much fun with mm-hmm. then you instantly think about this other idea like oh we could be doing that instead Absolutely, you know yeah i i struggle with that so, all the time um Absolutely, because there are so many possibilities that you can be doing. So it's, it's yeah, you, you, it requires you convince yourself. Yeah, I think it requires some sort of discipline to be able to start and finish a project. Exactly. And I think it's very important to finish projects. And that's that. That's like, actually something I wanted to talk to you about because you, you very transparently said that there is no end to this project. Um, mm-hmm. Then how do you think about, let's say, putting it out there for the world? Like if you think about Lord of the Rings. probably the most seminal yeah, it, piece of work in fantasy I, literature it's funny you ask me this because i really thought about that recently mm-hmm. like yesterday oh, okay. <laughs> in the evening i was like okay so uh how are we approaching this you know um when it comes out what's going to come out what is it a book it's a, is it like only one thing like one story mm-hmm. from beginning to end or is it like a trilogy or is it like seven books is it like what is it is it is it the one thing only and then you have stuff surrounding it like um what do they call that spin-offs or uh, fan fiction or anyway mm-hmm. i don't know it's like you take imagine like 
a story based on this particular character who is not the main character, but you choose to make like an entire series based on his journey, right? And that's a part of the universe of Heaven Urian. Yeah. Or you just go with, you know, because I, I was thinking of this story at um, different levels, right? Like different proportions, but each level is kind of affecting the next one, you know? So we can talk about how the character saves the universe or how the character saves the world or how the character saves this kingdom or this city or this village or his family or this person or, you know, maybe himself only. It's like this many levels, right? So which is the one I want to choose for the entire thing? Because it, obviously I have all of those levels, right? But which is the one that I'm selling to you as, uh, like, what's the selling point, right? So I don't know. Can I just make one book or one volume or one whatever it is, right? One part, part one. And then I make part two, which is like a continuation of that one. All these two parts, right? They all have their own stories, like A to B and then B to C. And, but that's like two separate stories that have to do with each other, mm -hmm. right? But they're just separate volumes. And then I can add the third one and then the fourth one and then the fifth one, which is probably the, the last one or, or not. Maybe you, you want to continue. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just thinking of Harry Potter or um, Star Wars. You know, there's so many episodes and, um, I have no idea like what's going to be, but I, I just want to mention this because it's something that I thought about, you know, I, I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to condense so many details mm. in this story into one simple, one single thing. That's interesting. So I think, that's, um, I think that that kind of gets me to this point in context to your project. It's like, every aspect or every different aspect of the story could be represented in a different medium, you know, maybe some aspect of the story requires a map, some aspect requires a movie, some other aspect requires a game, because it's such a vast that's thing that you're developing. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Like, I'm not really sure. All I can see in my head right now is like a book, mm -hmm. right, with illustration and with a lot of text. But that doesn't mean that it can't have like, an expansion of this specific moment, like an extended cut or something, mm, you know, that's right. In a comic book style. I think, or... I think the book is something quite tangible because it allows <laughs> you to understand that world better as well as put it out there where other people can understand what's happening as well. Ha have you ever yeah, considered, and it's also sorry, go more ahead. approachable or no, no, I was just going to say that it's, it's also, it seems to be something more approachable to uh, someone like me. Mm -hmm. Right. I have no knowledge of how to make a movie or how to make an animation on my own and or how to hire a team to do that or anything like that. So you inevitably think of the book as the first option. Definitely. And it's not like it's the first and easiest option, but it's also the one that I feel mo most uh, attracted to for some reason. Maybe it's the, um, the freedom that I have, you know, in exploring all the possibilities. And also since I want to write the story as well, it's like, I want to put some words to this, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think it's quite crucial to have the words as well because 
in your mind there are so many incidents that are already panned out for the story and the artwork can only represent so much because there is so much that can be conveyed through the written word as well i was actually curious when you were mentioning earlier about maybe hiring a team have you ever thought about just collaborating with other artists maybe people who are really um, passionate about fantasy art or lore and developing worlds who could perhaps help you with certain aspects of the story to develop it quicker or maybe put certain ideas out there at a faster pace and bring on more people as part of the journey mm-hmm. yeah i thought about that a lot and you know since it's like this project is like my my little baby you know you tend to be like really overprotective with it mm-hmm. like you tend to be really careful with who you get in and under which uh, under which circumstances and what are they going to be doing um but i've really thought about that like imagine i don't know i make a kickstarter or something you know and i get this project funded right and i have enough to hire an animation team or something or uh, more writers or more i don't know but it's like something to help me visualize this idea not to change it you know not to deviate from the initial the soul of the project because that's naturally um a creator's most feared kind of thing you know mm-hmm. to have your thing distorted into something diluted you know into something that's not so yeah even though i think about that all the time it also excites me a lot to be able to do it myself at some point you know but collaborating with some other people dude is definitely something that, that it's so fulfilling at the same time because imagine people making fan art of your project or which is something that i've already had oh know? wow that's <laughs> so, that's quite amazing yeah i had someone made a sketch of um one of the artworks that i made for the project and i'm like damn that's that's so cool man like you you have so many things to draw you choose my project you know that's so cool so yeah that's uh that's such a nice feeling to see you you feel like you're getting somewhere mm-hmm. you're getting something done you're getting to people with this like they they know you exist you know they know this project exists and yeah i i it was such a celebration moment when i came up with the name for it you know because i spent like so long trying to come up with something memorable something thing that you can remember something unique something that doesn't exist or putting some existing works uh, words together you know like the legend of something you know or you know but when i came with this word which by the way is formed by several uh syllables and certain sounds and stuff that provides it with this sense of uh, identity you know in the name of the project this was like to me that moment was like there's no way this does not exist i would google that and it would it didn't exist it's like there's no search resor- results for for this <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like god damn it we got it <laughs> so yeah i i got the the website name and everything and i i started to post stuff and i i started to use that name a lot more because it 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 kind of uh it has everything it has everything that's that's the 
I think to solve the creating project. the identity of the project, like you said, is quite important because then even in your own mind, you're able to recognize the project as a proper entity and as well as when you're telling other people because without the name, it's like, okay, it's a vast world. It's a fantasy story. Yep. But unless you have that name, it's very hard to convey the essence of that project. Exactly. And what's the first thing you know about anything? The name, the name. right? It's the first contact we have with anything. Before you get to see it, you have to name it somehow. So you have to refer to it somehow. At least that's like a principle that I was taught in uh, the graphic school, the graphic design school. Because you had to come up with a name for a brand and then the logo and then the rest of things have to be like aligned. And coming up with the name was such a, an interesting process as well because you tried so many different methods and sometimes it just works. Mm -hmm. Sometimes no matter how much you try, you have to give it up and try something else. But this, this time, dude, I've been thinking about that ever since I started, you know, I still don't have a name for the main character for the main human character. And uh, that's, that's going to come as well. It's going to happen at some point, but I'm not rushing it. That's the thing. You know, the way I approach this in terms of deadlines is not that strict, you know, like I don't push myself to, you have to come, you have to have this by next Monday, you know, you have to have it. No, not really. It's like more flexible. It's really rough in terms of, um, uh, it's not really defined at that point. But let's say this year, I'd like to have some better understanding of 3D and uh, just put out some key pieces that would define certain moments in the story. And that, think of this the following way, that will also help me understand the story, right? Because when you see it in a tangible way, in tangible medium, you kind of understand it better than if you only see it in your mind. Absolutely. You know? It doesn't matter how clear you see it in your mind. When it manifests into, into the physical world, you know, it might not be what you expected. So it's like, oh, yeah, I thought it was going to work. But it, now that I see it, it's like, ah, <laughs> it doesn't work. So that's interesting. Yeah, Actually, I'm really um, for a project that is such a vast project in terms of the timeline of its development, your personal journey as an artist changes, you develop new techniques, new skills, your style evolves. I'm curious, like, how do you maintain the essence of the project as your style develops or changes? Because maybe from five years yeah. ago to now, the look might change completely. Right. right. Well, I'm not, I mean, I don't know about the look. I'm not sure if it's going to change like that much because I seem to be pretty interested in, a, in this particular style, you know, which blends painting with uh, some photorealism sometimes, but ultimately looks like more like a painting. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if that's going to change much, but probably the thing that helps me to stay on course with the main idea is the story, you know, the, the main idea, the essence of the project, like why I started this project, where am I headed with this project, you know, story. And again, I thought so many possibilities, like it's going to be a book that I'm going to uh, fund myself or kickstart it somehow, like get um, 
uh, what do you call that? Like public funding, um, crowd crowdfunding, crowd, yeah, crowdfunding. Or I'm just gonna make a website and post it there. You know, post pictures and add some lines where. But I think the most ambitious thing for me is to again to make it into a nice book mm-hmm. and. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's uh, dude. It fulfills me so much. I seriously, I'm like. Sometimes I I I get like, I don't feel this overwhelming sensation of, oh, I need to take a, a another job to kind of relax a little bit because I'm quite overwhelmed with my own work. You know, like I don't burn out with this. It's like it, it's it's always there and it's always so much fun no matter what. So I don't feel like I needed this freelance job to take a break from Heaven Urian, you know. It's never that way. It's actually a pain, you know, <laughs> which is is weird. It's like, hey, you need some money, right? So do some work and then you continue on Heaven Urian. It's like, okay, I'm going to take this as homework kind of thing, you know. Nobody likes to do homework. So I do the homework and then I can get to play again with Heaven Urian. Nice. That just shows so how, how much you love the story and how much you're enjoying developing the world. Um, I think one question that I had quite early on when I looked at your work, almost maybe six, seven months back, I had this question. You, you have a very strong skill set where you can apply that skill set to fantasy, to sci-fi, realistic, any kind of art that you choose to. What specifically draws you towards this fantasy and fantastical world-building style of work? Okay, so although I think I know the answer, I'm not sure because <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say something that might seem quite um, like you you might you may disagree with this okay. because I think for me it's like easier to approach organic forms because they're more imperfect than, you know, hard surface stuff, which is more straight lines, geometric shapes. Uh, They're bound to some level of perfection, Mm -hmm. you know? So when that gets mixed up with perspective and all that stuff, right? Even though I think I quite quite understand a bit about perspective and I know how to handle it. uh, When it comes down to so many perfect points that have to match all the time, all the lines, everything. Um, that's something that I see. I, I'm not so worried about when I'm working on a landscape that's organic, rocks, trees, nature, you know, of that sort. But that's, anyway, this this is just like, a, for me, it's like an advantage, you know, of working in fantasy. Definitely. So much respect to everyone, everyone who works in sci-fi stuff, Um yeah, much respect because I don't have that level of precision, I think. But uh, what I what I think draws me more to fantasy is probably this connection that I feel with nature. You know, like I feel so good in the mountain, at the beach. Um, don't get me wrong. I also enjoy a lot of sci-fi titles and all that stuff. But I don't enjoy working on that so much. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because that was the first project that I worked on. That that that's that was the theme. It was a sci-fi futuristic thing. Thank God it had some creatures, right? <laughs> <laughs> that were made of flesh and bone. But uh, yeah, which is also, by the way, why I had so much fun. That that was the highlight of the project for me to work on on this 
to work on this uh, culture that was like, they were like the natives of the planet that these guys were invading, right? For the minerals or whatever, the natural resources they had. Mm -hmm. So these guys were like more like tribal type of people. So I had so much fun with that because it was more like my thing. Yeah, that's right know? up your way of working and thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you mix that up to, you know, all the stuff about mythology and history and uh, I don't know. I just remember when I played God of War for the first time, like the first game, mm -hmm. PS2. <laughs> We're talking about PlayStation 2 here. Um, I saw the artwork on the little booklet that came with the game and all those creatures. And man, I that catapulted me into straight into Greek mythology and to learn more about the creatures and everything, all the stories. And I was eventually making like fan art of that kind of stuff, you know, trying to draw like a Cerberus or, you know, the, the main character or dude, for me, that was it, you know? And it seems to me that everything I, all my interests are more aligned with the fantasy, the fantasy thing. Like for people who are, for instance, a lot into science and chemistry and uh, astronomy and all that stuff, right? You understand that people is more inclined towards sci-fi mm -hmm. projects. Whereas in my case, I'm more like on the other side. And this doesn't mean that these two profiles don't enjoy each other. Oh, definitely. You, know? you can definitely appreciate all kind of work. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, to me, I don't think I can pinpoint what drives me towards mm. this genre. I guess it's particular. just a feeling or an essence that connects with you as yeah. an individual. Yes, I think it's like a balance point between many points. You know? <laughs> like they all connect there for some reason. I'm, and um, yeah. I'm curious, like world building is a very tough task. It's something that requires a lot of effort to make a believable mm -hmm. and a world that feels tangible and real. Do you, I mean, how much time do you spend reading and researching existing cultures of the past or cultures today to understand how things work at that larger scale? Yeah, so I think I devote too much time to that <laughs> and too few time to working, actually. Uh, but seriously, I, I feel so, uh, I'm going to say entangled because it's the way I feel. Like I get in there into so much knowledge about different cultures, anthropology, you know, all those. I, I made a list the other day of all the keywords that uh, make like great connections to my references mm -hmm. and i have like 75 or so like you know history geometry um science um alchemy mythology every blah 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 logy, you know <laughs> and every no 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 me <laughs> and every all that stuff is there in that list and yeah i think i i spend way too much time doing that but I feel like it's necessary because it's like it comes in think of it as a sprint you know sometimes sometimes i do a sprint in that particular subject matter and i learn a little bit of, about that and then i keep working right and i implement that into my work sometimes it's not right away sometimes what i learn right now 
is for something that I'll do a month uh, from now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like immediate incorporation to the work I'm doing right away. But yeah, it's not like something that I, I have planned out or something that, oh, today we learn about this. So tomorrow we can work on the, on that, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's just pure curiosity, man. It's just like, I, that pumps me up. That, that, that's my excitement. You know, I like to, to know more about that stuff. That's why I probably, um, as a kid, I was watching a lot of documentaries about animals and, yeah, I ended up knowing a lot about <laughs> certain species and what they do. This has venom, this has poison, this behaves like this when this happens, you know, they only live in this habitat or yeah, that kind of stuff. And that knowledge is really helpful nowadays as well because you don't realize the potential that our subconscious has, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's insane, dude. There's so many things we don't understand but they're right there, you know, somewhere in our mind, in the back of our minds. And that's all this field of psychology and the way the human body works and uh, the way we behave in the world we live in. And it gets so complicated and so complex. And I love that. I love to try to at least understand a little bit of that, you know, and believe it or not, that inspires you as well. That sparks your imagination somehow. Yeah, because you're getting you you're getting um, bombarded with so much knowledge and information all the time. It, yeah. And I guess as you start making those connections from the knowledge that you're learning and implementing those into the project that you're working on, you can see how your project or the world is becoming more real. And that again sparks more inspiration because you can see how that knowledge is really translating into something true and yeah. real real you mean like tangible tangible like, yeah in terms of the world building of that relatable, yeah relatable right yeah definitely yeah 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 because you know um i forgot what i listened to this it was like an interview or something and someone said like artists create alternate versions of reality where they just take the highlights of reality you know <laughs> Because reality is like boring and it's like, yeah, you have to make it more beautiful somehow. And when you said like, uh, it's, it, they, they feel real. I understood that you, you meant it in that way, you know, in the way of making it relatable. Like I could live there. I could be there. Yeah, exactly. I, this could exist there, which is something that brings me to the, the topic of making something believable, you know, because you can make something believable if it behaves according to the rules that you have defined in that world, right? The laws of whatever, the laws of physics, the laws, the way the, that light interacts, the the way that, you know, I, sorry, I can't come up with any crazy example right now, but imagine something completely crazy, really alien looking thing that has by no means any connection to real, to reality as we know it, Right but still exists, mm-hmm. right? That's so so strange, right? It, it's like, how can something like this exist? If you explain the laws that that creature would, or that object or that whatever it is behaves and responds to according to the place that it's coming from, then it all makes sense, 
Absolutely. And this is what I see, what I see happens with a lot of IPs out there, you know, like, oh, that wouldn't work in real life. Of course. It, <laughs> yeah, it is not real life. Is, yeah, it's not the same world, you know, it's not the same world. I think context is quite there, important, like the context of any particular world that you're trying to establish. That's it. That's it. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's mm, exactly what I, I think a lot about that, you know, like, oh, wait, this wouldn't make any sense in our world hmm. but fortunately <laughs> in this world we're creating they have this so it sustains my theory so this can work there because trust me dude there's so so much research i'm putting into you know the even the chemistry and uh the way physics react to certain things and, and then i look at other projects it's like dude they just did it they they didn't have to explain anything you know and that obviously wouldn't work like that but who cares? You know, you see the story, you you kind of follow up. You don't ask those those kind of questions like, oh, he can't jump that high, you know, <laughs> because his mass would prevent him from, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, um, there's some sort of simple explanation that they come up with. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You know? <laughs> That's it. That's all it takes. I think um, there's also an aspect of as you get more seasoned as a storyteller you're able to mm -hmm. deduce the simplest explanation required to explain a certain event whereas when we are really green as a storyteller we are trying to come up with these really complicated theories to explain something like why a person can jump 10 feet but as you understand the world better you're able to reason out those things better i think i think it works yeah. that way i don't know actually um yeah uh, yeah sorry i just wanted to say this real quick yeah, because uh, the more you know about your what you're doing, mm -hmm. uh, the more confident you are in explaining and in, in answering all those questions. Oh, absolutely. Right? Which is, I think, what that's why I think I was not so confident on exposing this project because I wasn't really sure of how can I explain to the questions that even I had, <laughs> right? <laughs> so if I'm not able to answer my own questions, how am I answering to someone else's questions? Uh, but I think that's a feeling that fades, you know, in time, the more, you know, the more you learn about your own stuff, the more you understand what you're doing, uh, the easier it becomes to respond to those questions. Mm, that's true. You know, earlier we were talking about like you reading about history and geography and different sciences and different fields. And me personally, I have a lot of fascination with like long spans of time like how does the region develop over thousands of years which cultures came and went from there i was curious like in your world how long a timeline are you thinking about because so far we've been talking about a character and the creature and the world overall yeah. but we haven't really spoken about the timelines how long is the story maybe for? yeah maybe i'll have to take a look at uh the stuff you mentioned you know maybe i'll have to do some more research on that and and uh learn how how long it takes for a culture to develop in a certain way mm -hmm. and how civilization comes and goes, you know, how fast, how slow and all that stuff, because I don't really know. I don't think I, I understand, but there's stuff like uh, stuff that is, I'm really interested in and fascinated by anthropology. And it led me to set a certain set of features you know, for certain creatures okay. and beings in this universe that 
allowed me to kind of comprehend a little bit of the timeline. Like, for instance, these creatures live up to hundreds of years, you know, and um, these others just a few years. These others just live like, uh, you know, they're just like us, just like humans or, you know, but I, I, I don't think I know yet how much in terms of thousands of years, mm. you know, per se. Um, because I'm approaching this with uh, like the same conditions as Earth would have, okay. as you can tell by my pictures. You know, it has really similar features. And I don't want to reinvent the wheel in that sense. But I really want to make my own version of Earth, you know, okay. my own version of a planet that's uh, inhabitable. And yeah, and I'm trying to respond as well to react to uh, the changes that I'm making in this world. Like, for instance, if this is a world that's above clouds or something, how high is it? You know, and how how is what what is the sky looking from from there? You know, stuff like that. If we are in this particular set of conditions, does everything respond to that? You know, does it everything behave like in the physics of that kind of nature? All that's all that stuff is really something that I, I I put a lot of work into because I really wanted to make sense, right? When you're reading it or watching it or looking at it, whatever. And again, it has to be made according to the rules that I previously established. So I can't talk about that because I haven't really established those rules a hundred percent, but at least in my mind, I know where it's going, you know? So I have some understanding that conditions my future work as well. Cause I had someone ask me this, uh, last night I posted on my Instagram, like a 3d sketch time-lapse. And, uh, this person was like, uh, do you, do you know this from, you know, before you start sketching, like, do you know everything? where everything goes, every brushstroke, do you have that in mind before you start doing it? Because it seems that you got this, you know, you, you have this under control from the first second. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, mm, it really depends, you know, because if this is something that I've been trying to develop over the last year, I've been trying to come up with a vehicle design of this nature. I kind of have an idea about the shapes and the certain orientation of the, the different parts but I don't really know the details. So that's where the exploration comes into, into place. But yeah, I, I think I, I should use more reference because I'm realizing I just sit down and do stuff. <laughs> and that even ends up good or, or bad. I don't know. But um, yeah, I'm trying to be more methodical in that sense because I feel like I'm approaching this in a too artistic way, okay. too romantic, like... No, I'm just going to sit down and do whatever I want. You know, it's my project. Like, there's no boundaries, you know. But for instance, for stuff like designing the, the creature, I really took a lot of reference. Uh, I have real life reference. I have reference from the internet, uh, from other animals, other creatures, the way they move, the way they behave. And the same thing should apply for everything else, for architecture, for, you know, creating other sort of... Um, characters you know different cultures different tribes dude the world is full of references anywhere yeah I mean, anywhere there's no end at. to where you can draw these inspirations from and especially when you're working on such a vast project there's 
every day there could be something new that you design as part of the world i think that's quite challenging as well as fun i think it's both things because you can do literally anything Absolutely. Even stuff like, you know, you go to the supermarket, you go to the grocery store and you witness some sort of uh, gesture or something that looks like a tradition, Mm -hmm. you know, even like, hey, have you ever wondered why they do it that way? Like, where did this come from? You know, and you keep thinking about this. You go down the the rabbit hole until you you come up with an answer for yourself and you put that into your project, Mm. you know but in a different way, in a distorted way. Like, yeah, people in this world do this in that way because in an ancient time, they used to do blah, 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 you know? And this has now been diluted into this simple gesture, you know, that is meaningless to people or whatever. But it's become part of the culture that they perform as a daily ritual almost. Yeah, but they don't don't even know why, Mm, you know? That's true. Just like we don't, don't even know why why we do certain things. So that's, that's just a rough example of how, how something could, you know, stimulate me to come up with something like that, with an idea like that. And I would write that down and later, maybe I'll make a painting about it, about it. <laughs> fascinating stuff. <laughs> or maybe, that's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we're surrounded, man. Absolutely. We're surrounded by inspiration everywhere. I, I can't, that's why it surprises me a lot to hear people say, I'm kind of bored. I don't know what to oh, do. Oh man, that frustrates you know. me. That frustrates me a lot when yeah. people say that. Yeah, which at a certain point I can understand because they simply don't know about what's out there, mm-hmm. the possibilities, you know, how much you can learn, you know. Well, how can I learn? What do I search for? You know, they if they don't know that exists in the first place, they have to find out it exists, right? But I think you you can get exposed to those things that you didn't know you you were interested in by simply doing stuff that is it might be like ordinary or whatever you know happy accidents as well <laughs> just like for instance, greek mythology for me with god of war you know or anything else of that nature i think but, you just got to yeah, keep truly- exploring like whatever subject or topic it may be you just start mm-hmm. reading up researching I really think reading brings the most unique ideas to the table because as much as movies and games can spark a lot of imagination, I think it's also for your mind and your, for your brain. I mean, (laughs) and and it almost forces you to think about things in a visual manner because there's no clear representation in a pictorial manner. So you need to read and understand what's being told and then think about that at a deeper level. And your mind makes those images up, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's why we didn't like books with no illustrations Illustrations when we were kids, right? Oh, man, it doesn't have any images. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is so long. But now you appreciate it more because it, it just allows you to make those visuals in your mind, you know, to imagine that character in your way, that world in your way, the way it's described in the book in, in words. And this is funny because it's something that I felt with music sometimes when I listen to a new song, you know, there's even sometimes I don't want to watch the music video because I already made myself like I made an idea in my head of what what the song looks like, you know, visually. That's interesting. It's like if I if I now see the the music video, it's like, oh, no, I don't want to break that, (laughs) that that initial idea I had about it. Yeah. Nah, just a funny thought. That's fascinating. 
I think it's great to get this much insight into your thought process and work. Um, I really wanted to get into the social media side of things. By the way, we are, we're two hours into this conversation. So how much more time do you have? Or are we, can we just keep going? What's your time? Yo, yo, yeah. Can we keep going? Yeah, we can keep going as long as you want. Awesome. I, it's, it's Saturday, man. It's, it's okay. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> it's weekend time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what kind of schedules everyone has. So sometimes the conversations end at the one hour mark. Sometimes they go much longer. So I just like to check in around this time to make sure we're good on time. I completely understand. And I, I thank, thank you a lot for asking. But yeah, I, you know me. <laughs> I like to... Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this, man. I, I can keep going for hours, oh, yeah. to awesome. be honest. That's great. So, okay, two questions. One, I'll get back to the social media aspect of it. I wanted to talk about art blocks first. Now, we've been talking about these really long-term projects and things that you're constantly developing and working on. Do you run into art blocks? Or if you don't run into them, do you even think it's a genuine thing that people should encounter because like we talked about earlier, there's like no end to the inspiration and things that you can keep working on. So what are your thoughts about that? Hmm. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know if I would associate that to an art block, but it's, it's probably like a series of circumstances that conclude into you not doing any, art at all right and it's not because you're i don't know what to paint or i don't know what to draw i don't know what to create it's probably like i don't feel like i want to create anything mm -hmm. right now you know like there's sometimes you're sad or you're angry you're down somehow you're experiencing like you're going through a negative uh phase in your life right and you just feel like there's nothing i can do about this and i don't feel i don't even want to eat you know there's some things that affect you that way. And there's some people who take this, like, you know, some people work out, for instance, some people make art to evade those bad thoughts and bad neg negative experiences. And some people do more unhealthy things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> some people just eat ice cream or, you know, um, or consume too much entertainment, you know, to a point of exhaustion. Right. But I feel uh, the way I approach this is that I just accept it. I, I let it be, you know, uh, there was a time where I would be, I would feel bad if I felt bad. Like I don't have, I, I don't allow myself to feel bad. I have to be happy all the time. I have to be positive. I have to be, you know, a role model to my friends and to my people. But if you deny those kind of feelings, that kind of kicks back sometimes, you know? And yeah, I don't know, man. Last year was, uh, I'm talking at a personal level, right? I, I'm, an, I'm aware of what 2020 is mm -hmm. to a lot of people, but fortunately to me, uh, it didn't hit that hard for those circumstances. But at a personal level, it was, um, it didn't, it wasn't the, the best start in a decade or a year, mm -hmm. you know, for me. I started quite low, low energy, low vibe. Like I had a bad experience with a client that ended up not paying. And I felt like, dude, why did it, why did I accept in the first place, you know? And just thinking about bad stuff 
overall, you know, being afraid of stuff, being insecure about a lot of things. And I just realized that's okay. That's a, a dark path, a dark place you have to go to to find yourself back again. So <laughs> what do you know? A few months later, I'm inexplicably motivated and excited about Heaven Urian, and I can't stop creating. I can't stop. And I'm so proud of myself and happy and excited. And I'm like, damn, this is, oh my God, this is, this is awesome, dude. I can't wait to show this to people. And it's so funny because a few months back, I was like completely the opposite. So I'm not saying that this is a pattern, but this is something that sometimes it'll happen. You'll have bad days and you'll have bad weeks. And in the worst case, you'll probably have a bad month or even a bad year. But that doesn't mean that that's there to stay forever. You know, an art block is not going to keep you there forever. So it's okay if you don't feel like creating anything right now. You have no obligation. If that's your job, then you just sit down, you create whatever they ask you to create, right? You try to do your best and that's it. But if you're talking about the art block in a personal way, like for personal projects, which is why what I imagine you asked this yeah. for, then then don't worry, man. They'll come at some point. Everything has a time, you know? And this is, it's interesting because I reflected upon this a few days back, you know? I, I still do those episodes for myself, you know, the, um, the voice recording stuff. Uh, I actually called it voice sketching and I, I never really posted that online anywhere, but I have hundreds of episodes of anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes to 40 minutes. Oh, that's fascinating. It's just me talking. Yeah. And I reflected upon this. Do you ever look and back I on said, those videos as well? What? Like, do you go back and watch those videos? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I sometimes I, I play them just to see if I can remember the day that was recorded and what was happening that day and what was in my mind. It's a nice way to track yourself, yeah. to be honest. Interesting. Sorry, I cut you but, off. Yeah, you were talking. No, no, no. I was just going to say, it's, it's, I just reflected on the fact that even darkness has a role, you know, even those demons inside ourselves, they have the, that kind of place, you know, that they have a purpose as well. So if you just try to uh, act like they don't exist, like darkness is not a thing, right? It'll probably uh, bite you in the ass or something <laughs> like that. You know? So it's okay that you acknowledge that. Let them do, uh, let it do the job, right? And then it goes away, and, and that's it. What you have to make sure is you don't stay there. You, you, it's okay to visit that dark place, but don't stay there forever, right? Because that's not what we're here to do. So. This is associated to the idea that I believe in of um, going, of struggling and growing. You know, growth, I, I tend to associate it to some obstacle of some sort. So if we were living in a world of uh, cotton, you know, then, yeah, um, I, I don't think we would grow too much because we, you would become so comfortable that you would see no point in exposing yourself to certain dangers and stuff. So, yeah, um, that's what I would say to to this, you know, about the art block stuff. Don't worry about it. I really, really. It's okay. I mean, I really like your answer because I think it shows quite a lot of clarity on your part. You're 
thinking of it at a holistic level you're not just associating it with art only you're just thinking about it mm-hmm. in terms of the circumstances in life and i like the fact that you're willing to go with that flow whether it's a high or a low and of course there needs to be some sort of let's say intention to come back out of the darkness you don't want to just wallow in that darkness you want to be able to come out and you but you recognize that it exists as well so i think that's a good intuition that you have about these things and yeah it's rather uh, a minding your step right here right now mm-hmm. rather than just constantly looking forward to the exit of this dark tunnel mm. you know because if you focus on what's here right now the present then everything else follows if you think about it is everything's a consequence of what you do right now you know so it's it's up to you right you want to stay there stay there you're going to realize that you're going nowhere you have to keep moving you have to keep walking <laughs> i i really like the way you approach life in general i feel like you're a character in your story i don't know i just get that feeling <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot man yeah i i do really enjoy these these reflections you know mm-hmm. um especially making analogies and stuff like that i don't know it's something that fulfills me at some point it makes me feel good you know it helps me understand certain things at the same time because it's like i put it's from it's a way for me to break down complex subjects into simple examples mm-hmm. you know so yeah that's that's what i think about this it's it's a matter of self discovery i think it's a matter of knowing yourself and this is a way to do it to get through some dark shit you know absolutely <laughs> so i i actually really like the fact that your let's say thought process doesn't revolve only around your work your thinking about these parallel things that are genuine realities of life and you're developing that thought process simultaneously along with your technical abilities because i think it's quite easy as artists to get stuck only in your work and i'm also quite guilty of that and i'm stuck in that tunnel vision where i'm only thinking about my artwork but i think these reflections that you're talking about are quite important because you're developing your mindset and thought process simultaneously and i think that elevates your artwork as well at an emotional level or at a let's say yeah, mental yeah, level yeah i understand mhm it's like they they can be extrapolated to everything in your life you know to certain uh, to a lot more fields mm-hmm. of your life a lot more other areas of your life you know you you can learn something from this and apply it to business or to apply it to art or to relationship with your family you know or you know anything really so i i really second that i really second the you know i would like people to to understand themselves a little more and that's really hard because of the subconscious thing we mentioned earlier you know there's a guy that is a harvard graduated psychiatrist on twitch which is called dr k or dr kanoja okay and he uh he runs under under the channel of uh healthy gamer right because it's mostly oriented towards gamers because the gaming industry tends to have um as far as i i know a lot of problems with uh you know mental um mental problems and um 
depression and, and stuff like that, right? So he addresses that kind of audience. And I like it because he makes a lot of analogies related to gaming stuff, you know, like uh, RPG games and stuff like that. Like, <clears throat> I, I, I don't have this much... Uh, mana left or you know stuff like that or my health bar is dropping crazy I'm not gonna engage in battle now or stuff like that uh, but what what witnessing this guy's interviews with other people made for me is that I was able to understand myself a little better you know certain things certain thoughts certain habits that I have nowadays I understand that they date back to when I was a kid sometimes, you know, and I'm this way because my dad used to say this, or I'm this way because when I was a kid, my mom used to take me to this place or, you know, certain habits that have been forming on your head, uh, in your mind for so long, you no longer know where they come from. Mm. So I like, uh, I'm, I'm mentioning that guy because that was like another spark for me, you know, that was like, I like the way this guy presents these examples. And I like it that he makes every single guest so relatable that I can understand myself that way. But prior to that, I was already kind of trying to understand myself. You know, every time I was angry, every time I was sad, every time I was happy, every time any kind of emotion, I was trying to deconstruct that and try to understand where is this coming from? Why am I feeling this way? And that only fulfills my desire to know myself better. And I feel like that's something you, it's like a quest, you know, taking the gaming thing again. <laughs> it's like a quest you never get to complete. It's like an endless because, ongoing quest that's happening. Absolutely. You're constantly learning every single day because it's it's always different. It always changes. You are never the same, you know? Every day is different. Fascinating. <laughs> That's a that's a fascinating way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. I I I'm absolutely fascinated by that, man. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. I, I really like this kind of conversation that we're having because it shows that there are so many other deeper things that go on behind our artwork. It's not just about okay, I, I'm getting better at Photoshop or ZBrush or whatever. That's like such a surface level thing. So, softwares are things that will keep developing and you just practice more and you'll get better at it. But these deeper thoughts are what actually create original ideas, which represent your way of looking at the world. And I think that kind of relates to social media in the way that in current, in the current scenario, everyone's uploading so much artwork all the time. And I really was curious, like how do how does one approach standing out of that crowd or is there even a need to stand out of the crowd? And, yeah. Well, due to, uh, yeah, due to the nature of this self-exploration, you know, um, I started to realize that I, I always have confronted opinions, you know, about certain things. Like, I see this subject from this side in a certain way with a certain perspective, but then I also see it from the other side with the complete opposite perspective that kind of defeats the purpose of the first one. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, damn, now, which, how can I find like a center point, you know, like a middle point in, in between them? So that's, I think, the ultimate purpose of this whole journey, you know, to find balance. That's what you want. 
we we like extremes for a brief period of time, right? Um, but then you immediately have to switch over to the other extreme to counterbalance that and then come back and then again and then again. And that's like a heartbeat, you know, it's like vibration. It's 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 something that never stays the same. You know, it has to be in constant movement all the time. That's your life, I feel, because if you stay where you are, remember the tunnel thing we mentioned before, right? Mm-hmm. The dark thing. Yeah. If you stay there, you don't make any progress. So you want to keep moving forward. And it's okay to look back sometimes, you know, just to make sure uh, you know where you started and to remember everything you've overcome, you've over, you overcame and all, all of that. But it's really important to stay here, to stay in the present right now, right, right here, right now in this moment. And this is something that I would apply to social media as well, because, you know, we tend to focus a lot on the, the numbers, the future, the followers, the likes we're going to get. And honestly, the social media thing is a subject that I don't even know how to approach, like from which angle do I get into this? Because there's so much to cover here, you know, psychologically, I think is, is a double edged sword Mm -hmm. because it's really cool that it connects us. You know, it's a tool at the end of the day, but it connects us. It allows me to talk to people, uh, to meet uh, new artists, to know more about their uh, their approach to art, to life, to whatever. But the other side is that it keeps you kind of hooked to that kind of, to that habit of knowing more and more and more. And there's, there's no problem with that unless it keeps you from doing stuff yourself. If you're constantly looking out for tutorials and, you know, courses and all of that, but you never really do anything yourself, <laughs> all you do is to consume that material and not do anything. Yeah, just hoarding that then, content rather than executing on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm saying this because it's something I used to do a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it's like, I'm not that worried anymore because I feel this um, internal desire, you know, to keep going with my project, but it's not something I can ask people to do. Hey, dude, just, you know, be excited about your own stuff. Be passionate about this. What if they don't feel like that at at that time? You know, it's not something you can tell people to do right away. It's something that comes from inside and it will come, you know, it will come at some point. You just don't know when. And just, you know, look at my, what I, what we talked about the, you know, I wanted to have my own personal project, but it didn't come out until years later. There's always a time and a place for everything and it will happen. Trust me. But with the social media thing, I feel like we are also ending up comparing ourselves to others all the time. Do you constantly. do you still fall into that trap? Yeah, a lot of times. Mm hmm. I, I don't feel quite proud of saying this, but it's true. I'm, I'm trying to be as transparent as I can here. Mm. I feel like age is really an important factor in that kind of mindset as well. Because when you're young, you don't care that much. But when you turn, say, 30 or 40 or something like that, and there's a lot of people who are getting into the industry at that age. What's wrong with that? Nothing. But when you see people like a 16 year old or something, you know, that are already coming up with some masterpieces, you're like, oh man, (laughs) that's, that could have been me, you know, or 
you, you tend to feel regretful about your past or I don't know how to approach this. There are several ways, but imagine you can, you can feel well, you can feel good about yourself by saying, well, at least I'm learning to use my time wisely. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm learning that time is limited that, okay, I've wasted some, some time in the past, but now I'm really want to, I really want to devote it to this. So, and the other one is like my life sending, you know, I'm getting older. I don't have more time anymore. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that kind of, you know, it's the negative or the positive, the positive kind of approach. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, the social media thing, I feel like, I feel like it really, uh, makes you inevitably compare your work to others. You know, I'm talking about something that's related to art here, like yeah. Instagram, right? Instagram is full of art. Um, and it's, I don't know. I don't really know what to say right now. Cause it's a way for me to also compare myself to myself. <laughs> you know, Definitely. Especially like as you keep uploading so much work over the years, you always tend to scroll back and see, where you were at that stage in your life and artistic journey and stuff like that. Mm. Now you're at a point where it, it's not like you have a huge following, but you have a significantly large following compared to most artists beginning. Now, if I compare with celebrities who have like millions of followers, it feels <laughs> like a very insignificant number, but I'm guessing you have something in the 12 or 15,000 range. And if you actually think about that, there's a, that's like, 15,000 real people. And that's like a huge number, mm -hmm. actually. Um, yeah. Does, does, I wonder if they're all real, though. I'm sure they <laughs> because, are. Because... I mean, even if you yeah. take some sort of a margin for error for bots or whatever, mm -hmm. majority of it would be yeah. real people. Yeah, I understand what you say. Do, do you... Mm -hmm. it, it's incredible, man, yeah, to have it, something like... I mean, I think even, it's a pretty even, big number. Like, yeah, like even on YouTube, you know, I, I, I have only like 300 subscribers mm -hmm. or so. And to, to just think that there's 300 people that are subscribed to whatever I post there. It's insane, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. crazy. It's really crazy. And that actually drives me to this question where do you feel some sort of an obligation to do a certain style of artwork because those people have showed up for that style? Or do you stay true to your own journey as an artist? Uh, quick answer, I stay true to my own journey, but uh, I did have that kind of exploration phase as well, mm -hmm. where I tried to join all the challenges, all those, um, you know, um, what's it called? The one in October, Inktober, mm -hmm. right? Uh, then there's another one in May, Mermaid. <laughs> then there's another one in August, I think, with dragons, Smogust or something. Oh, I had no is. idea about that. <laughs> Uh, dude, I'm pretty sure there's one for every single month. I'm pretty in sure. fact, there's so many, they're starting to overlap in the same month. So, <laughs> so uh, of course, you try to do that. You try to get on any trend that you think might catapult you to the, you know, um, to a big following base in the future, you know, to get people interested in your work. But I tried that. I tried it. I swear. I tried it and it didn't work for me because I found no fulfillment in that. I saw no point on doing something that I didn't feel like I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. You know, like, okay, I can approach this as an exercise. I can approach this as a challenge. 
like, Adrian, can you do 30 days, you know, every single day of uh, sketching, I don't know, whatever, trees or dragons or something more interesting? I don't know, whatever. It's up to you, right? But, dude, that's something I... I've always been into challenges. <laughs> I've always been into challenges with myself, not with other people. Right. That's the thing, right? I feel this level of comp- uh, competitivity or competitiveness or whatever the word is. But it's uh, it's like I acknowledge the objective. Um, again, what's the word? Because I don't know how to say that in English. But anyway, competi- competitivity, mm-hmm. let's say. <laughs> I guess um, uh, just that having yeah. that competition with the, with the others or with yourself as well. Yeah, it's it's not a like I acknowledge the objective sense of that competition, right, mm-hmm. with other people in the industry in general. But to me, it's like it's more personal to myself, right? It's like I want to just be better than I was yesterday. So that took me a few years to get into because you know when you're younger, you tend to measure yourself against other people and see who's faster, see who's stronger, see, you know. So I understood that if you think about it, that can also limit you, you know, because if you measure yourself against yourself, there's no limit to that. Hmm, that's true because when you become better than someone else that's it not only that i think that when you're constantly comparing yourself with somebody else you're always chasing that person because that person will obviously stay one step ahead of you because you're you're the one who's comparing to that person whereas if you're in competition with yourself there is only one way to go which is forward because each day you're going to be learning something new just by the fact that you're alive for one extra day and those experiences yeah. will keep adding up. But I think it's harder said than done because naturally we as artists, we admire other people's skills as well. And when a person is able to achieve some sort of a technical ability or storytelling ability, you do feel a sense of, let's say, there is some sort of competition that comes up, right? Where you wish that you could reach that level if you're not at that point. But I guess it's a fine balance to have where you're drawing inspiration from that person rather than trying to just be in competition with that person. Yeah. See, the inspiration thing is really important as well because it tends to get confused a lot of times. But I, I really like that you said that because I see this example with um, in art is quite more difficult to, to measure who's better you know mm-hmm. what is to be better what 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 does that mean like if you take two great artists how do you measure who's better you know how do you decide like what what's the the tangible measurement what's the numbers or you know that's the thing with art i would say but uh that's why it also you know those physical examples with athletes and all that stuff is because because sports tend to be like protagonists in all motivational videos you know because it's visible yeah. you can see it you know with art is it takes longer it's a, it's a different thing man it's it's yeah and that's why it's so so much more complex to explain as well but i truly feel the the comparison thing 
is always there. You're always comparing yourself to some to someone else. And I think that's healthy to a certain point. It's okay to have a reference. It's okay to have an idol. It's okay to have someone you you look up to and you aspire to become, you know, to be like them. For instance, you know, let's take Feng Zhu, for instance. Mm-hmm. For me, that was my reference in the beginning. Like, oh man, I absolutely love everything this guy does. And I naturally uh, reflected some of what I learned from him through my work, right? To the point of people saying, oh, you like Feng Zhu, right? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, yeah, I can tell by your work, <laughs> those shapes and those presentation styles and everything. And I'm like, well, I'm not sure if I have to take that as an offense or, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if I'm doing something wrong or something good. So uh, I would say that it's okay to have that as long as you're not focusing on one single source. That's true. And that's the same with, you've seen this in so many videos, like how to steal like an artist, you know, you you just don't choose one source. You choose multiple sources. And to be honest, I feel like I don't even have to say that because it's so obvious that you're you're not going to be able to only get it from one source. You will feel naturally attracted to so many other hundreds of different sources at the same time. Again, I think that's actually- I think there's a caveat to that. I feel like that it's only when you let's say voluntarily choose to explore that's when the world opens up and you're able to get multiple sources of reference points and inspirations or points to learn from. But it is quite easy to get stuck in that tunnel vision where you're only referencing one person's work or one style of work. And that's when I feel the comparison comes in and kicks in much harder. Because Mm. like you were mentioning earlier, like if you compare two really great artists, how do you say who's better? I mean, it's impossible to say because art is so subjective. But the moment Mm -hmm. you get stuck with only one person, that's when it's easy to compare because you're looking at only one person's trajectory and journey. So I think it's quite important to, as artists, not only look at artists, but also other fields and, I mean, get inspired by musicians or chefs or business people. It's also interesting how that that, uh, single source of inspiration influences the style or the work of a certain artist. Definitely. You know, like you can tell. But I think that's also limited by... Uh, sorry, not limited, but defined by the limitations he or she had, you know, when they were learning. Yeah. Because if, let's say I'm your student and you're the only artist I know in my life, right? Who do you think I'm going to learn from other than you, mm, that's right? A good point. So I'm naturally going to copy you. But what I was trying to say is that the moment you get exposed to something like the internet, you know, where you see a lot of <laughs> other artists you go like boom, 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 bombarded by so many different possibilities. Like, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could use the brush that way. Oh my God. And this guy doesn't even use a brush. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so well, you'll naturally feel brushes. like, <laughs> yeah, you'll naturally feel attracted to all of those new possibilities. And yeah, that's where the exploration phase starts. You know, you'll, you'll realize that you like more the way that this one does it than the other one, or maybe it's a combination of three of them, or maybe more, or maybe none of them. Mm. <laughs> maybe it's just you. But even though, even there, sorry, 
you are still like uh, the result of all of that exploration. You might not recognize it because you don't know, you don't realize it's subconscious, right? But think of, this is a discussion that I had with a friend of mine long ago. Like he said, you can't create anything new. Everything's invented. Oh, absolutely. Already. Yeah. And it's all, it's all like I'm, a refresh no. or a remix. I'm like, no, that's not true. Of course I can come up with new stuff. And he's like, yeah, but you're going to be using stuff that already exists. And I'm like, no, because, and I was thinking of an example in my head, you know, I couldn't come up with anything. I just said something like, think of a unicorn, you know, it doesn't exist anywhere. Right. And he's like, yeah, but that's just a horse with a horn. (laughs) I was like, well, yeah, but I felt so offended because it, it, it was like he was questioning the capability of coming up with something new you know like there's nothing else you can create like oh well look at a look at an orc you know it's like yeah that's like a human-based creature distorted you know whatever and i'm like yeah but it's something you haven't seen anywhere else right and it's like yeah but it's still founded in some base existing things <laughs> base yeah. meshes if you yeah 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 so um, I think the way, yeah, that's, the way that's I look at the subject, which I mean, your friend quite rightly said that it's all based off something that's existing. I think I like mm-hmm. to look at it in terms of the ability to connect and create patterns. So as you get better at seeking out those patterns, the way you're able to create so-called original ideas becomes better. It's of course still referencing existing things, but it's like how unique a pattern it is. It can never become completely original, but it's like, tending towards more unique or less unique and it's like yeah. the pieces already exist and it all comes down to the way you assemble them mm. that's what makes it unique right because if you think of any story any project any invention anything you know there is some structure some objective truth to all of them that binds all of them but they are so unique in their own ways, right? They're, they are, um, yeah, I can't think of anything else than unique to describe them. Mm, that's interesting. But yeah, because I don't know how to explain this, but anyway. No, that's cool. <laughs> uh, I think I just, no, no, no. I just, I just think I, I wanted to say that they are unique in their own ways because uh, the way they were assembled was... Uh, different from anything that existed that existed before right Mm -hmm. so i can't help it but to think of you know examples like you know world of warcraft or lord of the rings you know they both feature orcs elves and all that stuff um but they are very different right you can't say they haven't invented anything new because the story is so much different and it's almost like at a psychological level, it makes you even forget that this is the same thing I've seen someone else, somewhere else, but it's different. Again, you know? it's that context in which that story is presented, which changes the way you feel about that story altogether. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's really fascinating. Yeah. The moment we start talking about social media, the tone of the conversation completely changed. Like we were speaking about totally different things before this. Right, it's- right. Yeah, it's it's almost like we approached it in a much more serious way or something. Like we we went deeper into the the subject. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that's the yeah, power of social media in a way, right? It 
dictates the conversation <laughs> in such a different manner um yeah yeah uh, t- talking about social media i also wanted to touch upon the new podcast that you dom and andre have started i think that's something right. that i really wanted to talk about as well how has that experience been for you dude to me that was that was really important i i approached it as an exercise as well for myself an exercise to like a practice to get myself out there you know expose myself on conversations you know because it's not the same when i'm just recording with my camera you know it's just me mm-hmm. and myself and it's like a monologue right but that changes a lot when you add the factor of um interactivity right when there's someone else asking you something that you didn't count on you have to think of an answer and that changes everything and you need to so be paying wanted... attention as well exactly exactly i wanted to put myself in that situation more often uh besides that i wanted to add a level uh a, an extra level to what simply like calling someone on discord would be you know without recording it or anything mm. it's just that yeah i mess up it's okay it's no one saw it you know but i wanted to add like an extra level to that by recording it right so yeah that to me it was a very important exercise of organizing my thoughts you know and practicing this exactly what you said like paying attention while you also think of something you want to ask later as you think of the answer to what they're asking you right now right <laughs> that's true so of course you run you run into that kind of ah oh, damn it i forgot I, i wanted to say something and i forgot man it's okay yeah i'll i'll remember later you know you run into that a lot of times unless you you write it down or something so you don't forget because i like how crazy our conversations are that we just go towards any direction you know at any point we can make like a u turn or we can twist uh to the right or to the left or go back or because we don't have like a script or anything like that we do start sometimes with like a main theme mm-hmm. like a main topic and we usually talk around that but uh for the rest of it is just whatever happens you know whatever happens happens we just talk about that and that's so cool because that that I think it adds like a unique um a unique tone to the conversation to a, a unique identifying point uh, it's like a feature you know and that's how we started this as like a casual conversation and that's that's all it is it's not like an interview it's not like a professional broadcast or whatever it's just us talking about something in particular you know and the the reason we did this was because after so many calls offline right uh, i mean off camera um we realized that it doesn't matter how ordinary what we were talking was we were always getting deeper into those subjects and always touching those topics that we thought many people out there would feel identified with mm-hmm. they would resonate with and they would feel really helpful uh Uh, they will they would they will feel it it was it it was going to be really helpful for them so 
we decided to record that, right? At the, it, at, you know, in the beginning, it was just me and Andre that we were talking and just joking about it. Like, can you imagine like we do like a podcast thing on YouTube or something? And um, then the next conversa- conversation we had, uh, Dom was there as well. And we reminded ourselves of that. Hey, remember what we said about like, can you imagine Dom? And Dom was like, yeah, actually, let's go do it right now. You know, wait, what? Right now? <laughs> And it was so fast. He he made the channel already, and we started to split the effort, you know, of who's editing, who's recording, who's, uh, you know, doing the, the marketing, the promotional side of it. And that was, it's such a cool experience, man. I don't know. And now, especially now that we're starting to bring guests mm-hmm. to the show, which I appreciate you a lot for coming by, by the way. Oh, I was, I was honored. And- it was the first time somebody had called me on, so it's a big deal for me. <laughs> that was, it, it's so cool. You know, it's like a way for us to express ourselves and just share what we think with a lot more people. Why don't you share the, n- not why keep- don't you share the name of the podcast? Uh, Lightshare. And I'll be sharing the links to the podcast as well. So people can go from this conversation to all the other conversations <laughs> that you guys have had as well. I think what I really enjoy about these kind of conversations and podcasts is that somebody who's listening to this conversation later on, to them, it almost feels like they're sitting in another conversation and they can just keep doing something else on the side while they yeah, passively listen I, to this. And I feel with a lot of uh, you know other podcasts mm-hmm. and similar shows. So that that's a nice feeling. But yeah, it's, <laughs> you really it's feel drawing beside someone else somebody having a conversation about something that you actually feel interested you know about Mm -hmm. absolutely so yeah dude and the the light share thing is in terms of the name uh we thought about it we made like a brainstorming session about it like hey guys we got to come up with a name you know and we concluded that Lightshare is something that kind of represents what we actually wanted to do, which was to bring some light to, you know, the metaphorical darkness in the world. Like there's good stuff in the world. There's also bad stuff in the world. We wanted to be on that side, you know, with the light. So, yeah, think about all the symbolical meanings that it has. That's what Lightshare is. Nice. I love, <laughs> That's I love the sentiment. I love the name. And mm-hmm. actually, I really find it fascinating that there are three hosts, so to speak, you know. So <laughs> each person brings their own experiences and their own thoughts to that conversation. And even when you don't have a guest or even if you do have a guest, the conversation has a good and interesting, very dynamic yeah. flow. So, yeah, just be- just between ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I-, I like it. I think um, that was... That- Sorry, go ahead. Go it ahead. was a really cool thing. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say it was a really cool thing to do, um, and it it feels like an opportunity for me to sometimes even just relax, you know. By hey guys, I thought about something, you know. What do you guys think about that? And it might be a topic that generates some sort of curiosity, and even something that they think about in a completely different way that I didn't think about. And just by mentioning it, you, it's like you open this box of Pandora you know, <laughs> and you start hearing so many different approaches 
And the fact that then there's some people leaving comments about something that you said, you know, like, hey, I never thought about that that way. But have you ever thought about it this way? And they leave a comment with, you know, their version. And that's so interesting, man, to get out there to connect with people in that way. To me, it feels so good, you know, especially because it also prepares me because I also have a YouTube channel, right? So I make videos and sometimes I feel quite uh, like I limit myself mm -hmm. because it's like, no, I don't think people would like to hear about that. You know, why would they? That's stupid. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that, but I'm training myself to be more, uh, to dare more, to be more bold in that kind of uh, sense, you know? to really allow myself to be myself, to be honest. So yeah, to not satisfy the the algorithm or whatever you want to call that, you know, because there's also that kind of practice in uh, the nowadays trends in social media, like, oh, you have to do this kind of stuff, you know, to get out there, to get, you have to be consistent with this or with that. It's like, dude, can I, can't I just, I'm not getting paid to do this. Yeah. You know, this is not my profession. Like, can I, can I just do whatever I want? <laughs> that's quite true. So that's also like a process of exploration. I think figure out what your audience is and just do that, but make sure you enjoy that <laughs> and you're passionate about that. Yeah. Otherwise it's going to, it's going to show, you know, everything shows. I was just going to come when you're passionate that, yeah. about something. Yeah, it shows. If you're having a hard time doing that, it shows. You know, if you don't enjoy it, it shows. It, people notice that. I don't know how. I don't know what's the tangible thing. I think right? I think it's intuition. You know, it's like you get a vibe from a person. Yeah. Whether you like to talk to that person or you don't want to talk to that person, it's the same way. Even when you're listening to a conversation, when somebody else mm -hmm. is talking to each other, you can feel the energy between the host and the guest whether there's a good chemistry going on or whether the hosts are paying attention or not or whether the guest even wants to be there or not and sometimes when the conversation is really dynamic and flowing well you know that there's a good energy and people are actually enjoying talking to each other and i think it's really fun like the way you learn from other people and the coolest thing is when you start a podcast or you as in anybody starts a podcast or these kind of conversations they bring on their network of people which you have never encountered before and that broadens my scope of artists as an audience because i'm coming to know about new artists new people and they have their own life story to share yes and exactly that's my favorite part really. it's when the fan, base, the fan bases merge together yeah you know yeah cuz you never know that's why i i like it when i see For instance, uh, there's a there's a YouTube channel you like a lot, and you see there underneath like viewers from this other channel also watch this channel. Mm. You know, so you can see how the fan bases are kind of um, deciding to go for a sorry for a certain range, you know, of um, uh, of interests and they will inevitably find find you all they they'll find you all <laughs> definitely like if you're yeah you'll realize there's so many uh artists so many hosts so many channels that you like and you'll find them you know that's that's the law of attraction yeah. i guess yeah i'm not sure it works that way but 
yeah, everything that behaves the, in a similar way tends to attract itself, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just like a, a little addition there. And the fascinating thing is that we are having this conversation now at the start of 2021, but somebody maybe three years down the line who's just beginning their journey as an artist could be listening to this conversation and they'll get some value out of it later down the line. I think that's the really exactly. fun part about this. You're like leaving these memory capsules along the way as you progress. And yeah, it's oh, just fun. Man, I never thought about that, really. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, right. Like these are timeless yeah. things. <laughs> Unless social media is not a thing anymore in the future. And they're like, what What, what are they talking <laughs> about? What's social media? Yeah, I don't know. When the great <laughs> collapse comes, then I don't know what we'll do, but... <laughs> Yeah, but I truly believe they they really behave like that, like a time capsule, as you said. That's so cool. It's really also a way to track yourself again. You know, I treat all these things, any single uh, video recording or voice recording or even paintings, you know, as tracking systems. Mm -hmm. You know, if you remember the date, roughly then you can you can tell how far you've come you know that's that's awesome it's it's not like you need it you know to tell yourself how far you've come you've all you all you already know but i i sometimes think of it as when you were a kid and you were growing you know you were growing taller mm-hmm. you know and you you as a kid you yourself you don't realize that you don't notice that but uh, because you know even maybe someone who lives with you they see you every day they don't even notice that, that uh, obviously, as someone who only gets to see you like once every, I don't know, every year, for instance, you know, there's that growth kind of thing, right? That's true. So naturally, you as an artist would say, well, I don't see any improvement. But then you look like a year back and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yes, there is some, <laughs> you know, look at three years back. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's a completely right. different That's world. Yes. Yeah, that's why people get so surprised when either Facebook or Instagram reminds you of, here's an artwork you did in 2015. You know, here's this picture you posted in 2016. And you're like, oh my God, I even forgot about that project, dude. <laughs> right. That's true. Man, yeah. Fascinating stuff. So Adrian, I think this is a good place to close the conversation as we reach the three hour mark. I think this is the dude. Yeah, this is the longest so podcast I've recorded till date. Yeah? yeah. Okay. Well, um, it was. It didn't really look that long for me. It felt like really short, and I think that's because I had so much fun talking about all these topics. I'm glad you did. I had a great time as well. I think this was a really yeah. dynamic conversation. The kind of topics we touched upon, we went into mm-hmm. a lot of different things. It was quite fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're also a great host, uh, host because oh, you know you. Uh, how to you know organize everything. Like you were always saying, like, oh, and this actually leads me to let's segue into this other topic because it is, it's on a tangent with this thing we were mentioning. <laughs> That's so cool, man. That's really uh, having like a good eye, and um, it it really tells that you're passionate about this as well. Thank you. So I appreciate that. I I thank you so much for bringing me here. I'm glad you're here and. Yeah, I think, like I said, I had a great time talking to you. And I just wanted to mention one last thing before we close the call. 
what I felt was that because we've spoken earlier as well via chat and on the other podcast as well, as you get to know the other person better, you're able to open up a lot more and the conversations get deeper and deeper. So I think that's a great thing for me to learn as I talk to more artists as well. And we should definitely do this again a couple of years down the line where we've grown more as individuals and artists. So Absolutely, it'll man. Be fun to Absolutely. See. Yeah, yeah. I'm down. Awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was so cool. I, and I really relate to what you said about getting to know more, uh, the other person more and uh, opening up and all that stuff. That's that's something I feel a lot with so many guests in uh, our show, mm -hmm. you know. And it's it's interesting that they feel the same about t towards towards you, you know. They feel like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a weird feeling. Like, I, I feel like I've known you for longer than I actually know you for. <laughs> But it's it's a nice feeling. Yeah, indeed. Awesome, dude. So cool. I guess that's it then. Have a great day and have a great year ahead. Yeah, thank you so much, man. It was so much fun again. Awesome. Um, have a nice weekend. Yeah, have a nice weekend. <laughs>